Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. going on guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is episode 460 for your january 22nd 2023 i'm your host shady from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday evenings wherever you may be man we got a lot to get into tonight it's gonna be a big night man it's gonna be a big night i got a lot of news to cover like I said in the intro, we are going to cover the Nick Khan, Bill Simmons podcast, the most important parts of the podcast. I actually listened to it, not all of it, but I, I got the gist of the vibe today while listening to it. I got caught up in listening to that this evening, and he is legitimately a well-spoken con man. 
And I don't understand the different tune that he is singing. Now, with Vince McMahon back, it, it, it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. None of it makes sense to me. Not that I expected him to go out there and blast Vince McMahon and talk bad about Vince McMahon, but I mean, can it be any more blatant? Can you believe anything that these corporate bigwigs say? I don't know why anybody would believe a word out of their mouth. We're going to talk about The Rock. Apparently The Rock. I've heard more Rock rumor this week, in this one week, than I've heard in the last eight weeks. And you would think that The Rock was already solidified for WrestleMania. Apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, that's not even the case. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. But apparently, WWE canceled the acknowledgement ceremony of the Anawaii family to Roman Reigns. The bloodline acknowledgement ceremony was canceled. And instead of that, we're getting the trial of Sami Zayn on Monday. Now, I have my reasons as to why that was canceled. And we'll go over those reasons. But at the end of it all, there is a possibility that The Rock could still show up on Monday. We'll see what happens. Maybe this is another one of those Vince McMahon suggestions that was being reported by Fightful. We got news on the Pew family, some positive news there, which we'll start off at the top with because I want to start the podcast off with some love, thoughts, and prayers continuing this week to the Pew family. Some positive news to come out in regards to his daughters. And we are going to go over Royal Rumble rumors that were reported this week, man. Some solid plans for the Royal Rumble, which is next Saturday. I can't wait. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Social media is the place to be. We are going to be very busy this coming week with Raw 30, AEW, SmackDown, and the Royal Rumble. Should be a big one. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. I organized everything so that it's updated for 2023 so you guys don't miss a thing. So go check that stuff out. Live streams, everything you need is categorized via the playlists. It's all there. Hit that thumbs up. We got 1,400 in here and still coming in. We need 1,000 likes minimum. No questions asked. VIPs, you want to chat? You're in the chat room. Lucky to be you. Non-VIPs. Anybody listening want to join the VIPs in the chat? Make sure you guys hit that join button. You get chat access on Sundays. You guys get those emotes that you could use anywhere on the channel. And those badges next to your name to show off your monthly VIP status. And tonight's show is sponsored by my great friends over at BlueChew. BlueChew.com code JD at checkout. For your free sample, all you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Code JD, I want to thank them for being such a great sponsor, as always, for the last few years and this year as well, all year, right here on OTS. Jay Briscoe's daughter has regained feeling in her lower extremities. This is positive news, excellent news to come out of this tragedy that happened on Tuesday afternoon. The daughters of the late Jay Briscoe had a positive Friday while recovering after being involved in Tuesday's car accident that took their father's life and another driver's life. 
The accident resulted in his daughters being sent to the hospital with serious injuries. Two representatives of a local nonprofit working with the Pew family during this time shared an update on both of his daughters. Gracie, the Pew's 12-year-old, got the feeling back in her lower extremities after not having any feeling below the thighs a day before. She also made small movements in her lower extremities on Friday, including getting in and out of bed to get into a wheelchair several times. She is also off the IV delivering medications and will receive them more traditionally from here on out. That's excellent news. Regarding the Pew's nine-year-old daughter, JJ, she will be getting the feeding tube removed on Saturday so she can start eating regular food again and was fitted for her back brace Friday. She could get into a wheelchair for an hour as her recovery continued. The couple's son, Gannon, Mark Briscoe, and the Briscoe's father visited the girls on Friday. So if you guys didn't know, there was a charity or a GoFundMe-like campaign for the, the Pew family. People can still donate to the Pew Family Fund, which is nearly $50,000 past the $200,000 goal. Now, the limit will not be raised on this campaign or this fund. Donations remain open for the family's medical costs as such, which is a great thing. Everybody from Kevin Owens to Cody Rhodes to the Bucks to Jericho, uh, Tony Khan, everybody in between uh, donated to the Pew Family this week. It was a beautiful thing to see. For those locally who aren't comfortable with online transactions, people can send checks to the Bank of Del Marva made out to the Pew Family Benefit. A t-shirt benefit by the Laurel Local uh, will be started soon with shirts also being available online. A local business called A&K Tackle also had a benefit t-shirt and Pray for Pew stickers available. Those who want to send cards to the family and get well cards for the girls can drop them off at several locations in Laurel or mail them to Laurel High School in Delaware. Uh, Excellent news. This is, uh, I mean, some light uh, in this cloud of darkness that just overcame the entire Pew family and the wrestling world. This is excellent news. And, uh, you know, the mother of the girls, uh, Jay Briscoe's wife, actually posted something on uh, on her Facebook page about asking for prayers and and how prayer works. And clearly, uh, all of the love and the prayers that's, not only the world of professional wrestling have been thrown up to the family, but all over the world, this made headlines everywhere. Uh, all those prayers are seemingly being put to good use. So that is excellent news, and I'm very happy to hear that and see that. And uh, I wish them continued, uh, you know, to get better. Uh, nothing more than what we've read here, man. I mean, I can't wait for them to just get out and and just feel better about uh, themselves here and just get back to, to good health. This is such a great story uh, for them to finally overcome this. Uh, but the, the, the tragedy, man, it, it, I tell you, man, it, it, still, it still doesn't feel real to me. I said this on Wednesday. I said this on Friday. It, it doesn't feel real to me even still uh, about what had happened. It's, it, it's so crazy. It, it affected so many different people in so many different ways. And I know, you know, there are other podcasts that went over uh, an entire history uh, about Jay Briscoe. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to be doing that. You know, I can only give you my personal, my personal feelings on, you know, what I thought of his, of his, work and wrestling and what I thought about seeing him in person working at working house of glory and what he did and you know how he transpired to be you know one of the best tag team professional wrestlers out there a great professional wrestler in his own right by himself away from Mark but I mean it's crazy to think how he was only 38 years old and his life was taken from him so suddenly 
And, and I'm about to turn 41 in a couple of weeks. And it, it really makes you put things into perspective. So, you know, this is excellent news. And I wanted to start the show off with some positive news in this, uh, this dark cloud that really was hanging over the entire wrestling community this week. So that is excellent news. And I wish nothing but uh, the best and love thoughts and prayers to the P family and those two girls to continue their recovery and uh, hopefully nurse themselves back to good health. Now, the real story was AEW got AEW got the Briscoes a tribute show or, or, or Jay Briscoe a tribute show on Wednesday, but it wasn't aired on TBS. They could not turn Dynamite into a Jay Briscoe tribute show. And, and I said this on Wednesday with Jesse. The reason probably was, and I had no inside scoop on this. This was just me speaking out loud on Wednesday's show. It was probably having to do with the fact that the Briscoes themselves were not allowed on any Warner Media or Warner Discovery program because of their past comments 13, 14 years ago in, in relation to what Jay Briscoe said all those years ago. And I, I stood firm on that because there's no reason why they shouldn't have been honored in the correct way on Wednesday live on Dynamite. But Tony Khan, such a professional that Tony Khan is, and a boss that Tony Khan is, nobody does what Tony Khan did better than Tony Khan. You know, when, when Luke Harper, when, when Brody Lee passed away, when this situation happened, Tony Khan put himself in a situation where he banded the entire family together and they came together for such a great cause. And when Tony Khan is put in those situations, nobody has done it better to memorialize and honor those that we've lost. That's the one thing that he has absolutely excelled at. And a lot of people should be looking at Tony Khan and, and praising him for the job well done. And, and, and I don't want people to go out there and, and watch this tribute show and, and say that Tony Khan could have done better or he should have did this, he should have did that. Tony Khan was actually handcuffed from the word go. He could not bring the Briscoes to television when he wanted to. He was not allowed to. He tried. He tried several times to get J.M. Mark Briscoe on AEW Dynamite. There is no fucking way possible that Tony Khan was running that company and he was not going to put the Briscoes on television. It was not a Tony Khan decision. He, he didn't say, you know, you know what, we, we can't put him on television. He tried everything to get Jay and Mark Briscoe on television. And he tried everything to get Warner to allow him to do a Jay Briscoe, Briscoe tribute show on Wednesday night, and that did not happen. They were not allowed to do a tribute show because of Warner Brothers' discovery. Wednesday, AEW Dynamite featured a graphic at the start of the show. While many stars wore black armbands for their matches, however, it was not a tribute show like they did for Brody Lee. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that AEW wasn't allowed by Warner Brothers Discovery to do a tribute show to Jay, and it all goes back to the homophobic tweets Jay sent out over a decade ago. As if the man can apologize, learn from his mistakes, and then apply and become a better person at the end of it all. He's even had wrestlers in that part of the community who banded together and came forward with so much love, showering Jay and the family with love after what had happened. If they could accept him, if they could, could take his apology and accept him for the mistakes that he made, why can't Warner Brothers Discovery? Seems like this company and companies like this are exactly, you know, the reason why things aren't being done the right way. And if you ask why, it's probably 
more than likely some executive bigwig dick who doesn't allow this type of shit to happen for reasons that they find wrong and, and can't find any other reasons to let it go. It sucks. So Meltzer talked about this, that he apologized for the tweets over the years. This is the reason why the Briscoes were never signed by AEW or used on AEW programming. They were only used for Ring of Honor storylines and put into matches for Ring of Honor throughout the year where we got the Briscoes and FTR trilogy that will go down as the best tag team trilogy of all time. Warner Brothers Discovery did not want them used or him used at all by AEW. Meltzer says, and I quote this week on The Observer, if you watched Wednesday's show and you were expecting something, I know a lot of people were, something like the Brody Lee show, and obviously that didn't happen. There was basically a graphic at the start of the show, and at the very end of the show, there was a mention by Excalibur. A lot of the guys had armbands, a lot of them, but there was not any kind of big tribute because they were not allowed by Warner Media, Warner Brothers Discovery, to do one. They filmed a one-hour show in Fresno at the end of Dynamite that will air on Honor Club, and Tony Khan said it will air on YouTube for free, both on YouTube and the Honor Club for Ring of Honor. They will be doing another tribute show. When they finally do the Ring of Honor television show, the first show will feature a lot of J matches and a tribute show will as well when it's all put together. At Supercard of Honor in late March on WrestleMania weekend, there will also be some kind of memorial to Jay or something to honor Jay, uh, said Dave Meltzer via The Observer. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do as far as memorializing Jay Briscoe. I know they were the tag team champions uh, at the time of his death. They could do a yearly tag team title tournament and name it after him, the Jay Briscoe Tag Team Memorial or something along those lines. They could have a battle royal and name that after him and do that yearly where a single individual wrestler gets a world title shot or something along those lines. I'm sure Tony Khan will come up with something that is really tasteful and really great in honor of Jay Briscoe. I'm not really concerned about that. I'm concerned about how... Warner Brothers Discovery did not allow this to happen on their show in light of how everything happened on Tuesday. I I really don't understand that, how they're letting comments 13, 14 years ago, however long ago it was, still hinder this man after he had his life unfairly taken away from him because of situations beyond his control. I, I don't understand why. Now... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't really watch a lot of television outside of what I have to do for pro wrestling. There are things that I like to watch and things that I like to put on TV while I fall asleep. But I'm not really a big movie guy. I'm not really a big TV series guy. I'll watch what I like. I can't wait to watch The Last of Us a little bit later. Episode 2, I thought episode 1 was fantastic. The thing that I don't get is, and I know a lot of people have uttered this same thing, We have Dana White, the president of UFC, who has this ridiculous new show that is absolutely, and I mean ridiculous in all capital letters, absolutely ridiculous show where people are absolutely destroying themselves and the likelihood of concussions happening live during this show is 100%. This slap fighting competition, you got Dana White, who was in the news all over the place for slapping the shit out of his wife during a New Year's party, they don't look at that as bad or demeaning. 
they hold back the debut of the show one week and then let it air anyway, knowing that everybody was on Dana White's back for what he did to his wife during a New New Year's Eve party. But they won't allow Tony Khan to fucking memorialize a dead wrestler on Wednesday night who lost his fucking life in a car accident that was beyond his control. I don't see how the two things make fucking sense. The man's no longer with us. You could not put on matches to memorialize this man. You couldn't show anything from his career over 20 years to memorialize this man after his fucking life was taken. His three, his three children no longer have a father. And his wife no longer has a husband. And Mark Briscoe, fucking poor Mark Briscoe on his birthday, no, no less. A man who's been in pro wrestling just as long as Jay now has to continue pro wrestling if he wants to without his brother after he's done all 20 years with Jay Briscoe in some way, shape, or form right next to him. But we couldn't, we couldn't have Jay Briscoe memorialized on TBS because some fucking geek, some douchebag over at Warner Brothers Discovery said, no, I can't get over the comments he made 14 years ago even though he apologized, and there are several wrestlers in the LBGTQ community that came out in support of this man. I don't believe it. I don't understand it. So according to Warner Brothers Media, Warner Brothers Discovery, you can make a mistake and you got to be held in contempt for the rest of your life, and and there's no way to get a second chance. If anybody watched anybody do a video on Twitter or Post a clip on Twitter, and all the heart fell. I mean, there wasn't a single fucking thing negative said about this man, ever. In this last 96 hours, this entire week, since Tuesday. Not one single negative thing said about Jay Briscoe, and they didn't allow him on television. I don't want to hear anybody blame Tony Khan. I don't. It's not Tony Khan's fault. There's nothing he can do. The man's legitimately handcuffed. He's got to listen to Warner Brothers Discovery. They're the ones fucking paying the, paying the bills. They're the one paying for the fucking AEW product. These are the people that Tony Khan wants to do business with come this year when they have to renew their contract. He wants TV rights deals and he wants a mega, a mega payday for AEW. He's going to bend over backwards to do whatever the fuck they say. But Tony Khan, he could have did nothing. He could have did absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, he banded the family together and they filmed something after the fact, after Dynamite was over. And he's got plans all this year to memorialize Jay in other ways through Ring of Honor when Ring of Honor gets on its feet. It's a shitty situation. Shame on them. Shame on them. This is what's wrong with today's society. With, with today's society. You got someone running Warner Brothers Discovery who's fucking up their ass about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And one decision from the top is felt like this. Everybody thinks it's wrong. One decision like this is made, and then that's the way it's got to be, with no rhyme or reason, no saying why, 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 or combating it. Nothing. It's awful. It it is absolutely awful. Something more should have been done. And and Jesse said it on Wednesday when we were live. He was expecting something. Something. A a 10-bell fucking salute. Something. Instead of just a graphic on Wednesday. I don't get it. I don't really get it. So that's what happened. And I want you guys to understand that it's not Tony Khan's fault. It is Warner Brothers Discovery. It was all they're doing. 
So if you wonder why nothing happened on Wednesday in regards to Jay Briscoe, that's the reason why. And I don't know what happens when uh, Tony Khan wants to sit down with negotiations or, or what's going to happen there. But uh, I mean, that would put a that would that would really if I'm if I'm Tony Khan, that would put a damper on me even wanting to stay with them if they're going to be that fucked up. Honestly, he may have no choice, but that's the reason why. Devon Dudley, I mentioned this. This was during the week as well. Devon Dudley announced that he is no longer working for World Wrestling Entertainment. I find it very funny how a lot of these bigwigs in Stanford at Titan Tower and, and people backstage working in the company, all I heard for the seven months that Triple H has been there is, oh, everything is so great. It's like working for a different company. The morale backstage is completely different. It's an uplifting vibe backstage. Nobody's walking on eggshells anymore. Everybody loves Paul Levesque. Everybody loves Stephanie McMahon. Nick Khan is staying out of everybody's way. Things are so much different. Things are better, right? So much better that Devon just got up and left the company. So much better that Stephanie McMahon fucking quit the company. So much better that two VPs of communications left with no reason, this week as well. Devon Dudley announced that he's no longer working with World Wrestling Entertainment. After retiring from in-ring action, former WWE Tag Team Champion Devon Dudley worked as a producer for the company starting in 2016. In recent years, he worked for an NX, uh, he worked as an NXT trainer as well. In a statement, he thanked Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Vince McMahon. He says, and I quote, the company WWE and I have decided to part ways and feeling this is the best decision for all parties, it's been a pleasure and an honor to work with young talent when Bubba, as well as everyone in NXT, as well as working with some of the best producers in the world, he would like to thank Paul Levesque, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the opportunity that was given. I'm very excited to see where God brings me next. Oh, my brother, testify, he says in his quote, end quote. Speaking of tag teams, I know we mentioned the Briscoes. One of the more transcendent tag teams of the modern era are the Briscoe brothers. But the Dudley boys, they may be the most successful tag team in all of pro wrestling. We got championships from every promotion. WWE, TNA, New Japan, ECW, all over the place, man. The amount of tag team titles that they've won. Another tag team that has transcended the business of professional wrestling. I find it very funny. This news actually came out after Vince McMahon filed a new SEC filing by Vince McMahon means he no, no, no longer needs the approval from stockholders on actions taking you know, the WWE into the future. So we're going to talk about that. But, you know, all of this, I, I don't really have anything else to add on Devon Dudley. I mean, Devon Dudley is a dime a dozen. You can get somebody else to replace Devon like that. I'm sure they have a thousand fucking producers or agents backstage in WWE. The part that I find funny is, Everybody in WWE, you know, is now worried. No matter what they say publicly, I know that they're fucking worried. Uh, they're, they're, I don't know why you wouldn't be. And several people within the company like this are, are dropping like flies. Vince McMahon is making a power play to sell the company. And meanwhile, take care of himself on the back end. I'm sure whoever he's going to sell the company to, he's going to negotiate for him to be in full control and full power. I mean, this is not going to be 
reported by anybody because it's going to bring the company down as far as potential sale or interest in a sale. So I don't think Vince McMahon's going to bring that to the table or you won't really hear about that publicly. But there's no reason why you should be believing Vince McMahon. There's no reason why you should be believing Nick Khan or anything that these suits and ties tell you that work in the offices of Stanford, Connecticut. There's no reason why you should believe any of them. So I find it very funny how you got two vice presidents, which I'll get to today, two vice presidents of communications quit. Stephanie quit, which is very bizarre. And Bill Simmons asked twice why Stephanie McMahon quit. And Nick Khan gave no answer outside of, oh, I don't meddle in family business, which I understand. But there was no reason given as to why Stephanie McMahon quit. And that's the reason that I want to know. That's the answer that I want. The question I want answered. Why? I don't give a fuck about anything. Why did Stephanie McMahon quit the company? Vince McMahon could sit there and say, I, I, I want to attack strategic alternatives. I want to sell the company. But we all know what Vince McMahon is capable of, and we know how he, has de- uh, how, how he has acted in the past. So we know exactly what he's planning to do. You're never going to hear about it publicly. Look at what he's done so far. You don't think he's going to be capable of taking over the fucking creative department in WWE once again through a potential sale? Or maybe he takes over before the fucking sale. I don't know. I don't know. But people like this dropping like flies and just getting up and quitting after all you heard, it was, oh my God, WWE is such a great place to work now. Everybody's fucking happy. If it's so great, why is the company being sold? If it's so great of a place to work, why are you leaving? Now, I know Devon had a little bit of a rocky relationship lately with WWE. He wanted to do some independent show, some ECW tribute show with Bubba Ray Dudley. I don't know what they had planned for him to do. He got in some hot water. Bruce Pritchard notified Triple H of his appearance on this show. I'm assuming he had gotten approved, but maybe he was doing something that the company did not want him to do, being that he just had surgery and he's not really capable of wrestling at this stage of his career or at this stage of his life. Bruce Pritchard took this problem to Triple H, and Triple H said, if you do this show, I'm going to fire you. You're going to be terminated. I don't know what had happened there. Maybe they were just on different pages. But if it was such a great place to work, why is he leaving? I just find it very funny how Vince is now back in power and you see certain people just dropping like flies. That is not by coincidence at all. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vince McMahon, he no longer needs the approval from stockholders on actions moving forward in the future of WWE. 
Vince McMahon was voted back onto the board of directors to become the executive chairman of the board while Nick Khan became the sole CEO of the company on January 10th after Stephen McMahon's resignation as co-CEO and chairwoman of WWE. This led to a class action lawsuit filed by Scott Fellows, who holds a class A common stock in WWE against McMahon as he claims McMahon abused his power as CEO. His suit was filed in Delaware's Chancery Court. WWE filed a new SEC filing on January 16th, noting that McMahon, in this capacity to do so, as controlling stockholder of WWE, executed and delivered a written consent, the January 16th consent, taking certain actions by consent without a meeting in accordance with Section 228 of the DGCL to substantially repeal the January 5th amendments. The filing also noted that no further approval of the stockholders in WWE is required to approve any of McMahon's actions taking moving forward regarding the business. This is after the bylaw amendments were placed on January 5th. Uh, The stockholders, I mean, they had no say in what Vince McMahon was doing anyway. I mean, Vince McMahon's going to do what he wants to do anyway. He's got the board of directors on his side. He fired two people of the board of directors to replace them with Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. Three other people quit because they knew what he was doing was morally wrong. And now he has, and Stephanie McMahon quit, by the way. So the board of directors now is in full Vince McMahon thumbs up of approval. Everything that goes through the board of directors, Vince McMahon now has power of the board of directors. The stockholders have no say in what Vince McMahon does. Vince McMahon's going to do whatever the fuck he wants. Now, I actually did inquire about this, and a journalist in the community has really stepped up and done some really great work in light of all of this. And his name on Twitter is Moonlight Graham, Reese Kelly. Uh, I actually got into a little bit of a discussion with him on this, and he has hit me up in the DMs to answer some questions because I wasn't really you know, up on all this lingo. I'm not really one of those guys that you're going to listen to to get into the business side of things. I don't know about filings and fucking stocks and all this other shit. So there was this this news that broke, and, and I asked, now does he have more power than he does essentially before with this move where the stockholders have absolutely no say in what Vince McMahon does? He doesn't need the stockholders' approval. So I asked, Does he have more power than he did before, essentially, with this move? So he says yes and no. This officially recognizes him as the sole authority with the SEC. Majority, or minority rather, minority shareholders have been officially cut out of the equation. Not that they had voting power to override Vince in the first place. So, you know, they, 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 whatever they did, Vince was not going to really give a shit about what they say anyway. Yeah, he he was going to do what he wanted to do. So there was a new lawsuit that actually was filed, and a new breach of fiduciary duty lawsuit has been launched against Vince McMahon. Detroit's police and fire retirement system is suing, seeking a declaration to block McMahon's power and expedited sale of WWE. This was first reported by Sportico. Now, I, I, I asked about this as well because, again, I don't know how this plays into what Vince McMahon wants to do, his power play to sell the company and potentially overtake, you know, his power that he once had uh, way back in June. Have any of the lawsuits even, you know, even gone anywhere? All these lawsuits that Vince had uh, had on his desk, you know, have they ever gone anywhere? It seems like 
There's a new lawsuit every week, and nothing really seems to come out of them. So does this slow the potential sale of a company, I asked, and he gets back to me with this reply. He says, it potentially can get in the way of a potential sale. The plaintiffs here are requesting this to be class action so others can hop on. Maybe Vince's new filing this morning was an attempt to change the language so these lawsuits wouldn't stick. I have no idea how that works. Regardless, there's now two class action suits, and the man has officially made himself the sole authority with the SEC. Those are the two pieces of news this week. This filing this morning was kind of a nothing filing, though we have now to question whether his decision to repeal those bylaw changes is to protect from litigation. So I know a lot of people made a big deal about this potential story with him filing with the SEC. You know, it just goes back to what I said before. He is the man. He's the one wielding ultimate power here. And no matter what, in any which way during this entire situation where the stockholders or the shareholders going to say anything to Vince McMahon, and he was going to listen. Vince McMahon is going to do what Vince McMahon wants to do to sell the company and get back what he lost for seven months. That's, that's, that's the way I see it. So they never had a say in anything anyway. So this was all a very, you know, minor story that didn't really play into anything that we've already reported on Vince McMahon. There are big, bigger pressing issues in regards to Vince McMahon than this one story about a new SEC filing by Vince McMahon not, need, not needing the approval from stockholders. There's so much more as far as a bigger story and a bigger concern uh, from within what Vince McMahon is doing in the WWE. So the Detroit and Fire Retirement System sued to block Vince McMahon from regaining control and selling WWE. Uh, look, I've, I'm not surprised. Everybody seems to think that he's doing wrong. But apparently Nick Khan says, I, uh, I look at Vince McMahon and I see nothing wrong with the way he's handled and conducted business. I admire the way he's gone about and done business for WWE up until this point. Detroit's police and fire retirement system has filed a lawsuit against Vince McMahon after being voted back onto the board of directors to become the board's executive chairman. So we all know that Vince manipulated the board of directors to swing power to him, basically giving him power in every different aspect in WWE. I don't even know why we need a board. I really don't. The original board unanimously voted against Vince McMahon's return in December. Nick Khan was a part of that. Stephanie McMahon was a part of that. Triple H was a part of that. The song differently now is being sung still because he is the majority shareholder for the company. He removed three board members to make way for himself, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. There were two other members that left the board following Vince's return. According to Sportico, a lawsuit by Detroit's police and fire retirement system notes that they are seeking a declaration that would effectively block the former CEO from regaining control of the WWE's board of directors and prevent him from expediting a sale. They requested it be recognized as a class action on behalf of other WWE stockholders and was filed in Delaware's Court of Chancery. The lawsuit may slow a potential sale of WWE, which is something McMahon noted when he returned to the company earlier this month, in addition to helping lead talks for WWE's next TV deal. WWE wants to sell the company by the middle of this year, 2023. The lawsuit argued that McMahon had breached duties as controlling stockholder by trying to impose his personal will on WWE and its board of directors by purporting to adopt a package of invalid and inequitable bylaw amendments that would hamstring the board from making critical business decisions. Basically, what they're telling you is that he manipulated the board of directors to swing power in his direction, 
giving him ultimate power and 100% of the vote. And that's wrong. And we knew that from the word go. We knew it when, you know, he fired three board members to make way for himself and two cronies that he fired not too long ago. So he's basically brought back, yes, men and women to side with him and give him yes, yes, and yes. McMahon owns 39% of WWE's equity, but 81% of its voting power because of his Class B stock, which comes to 92%. This means that he has 10 votes per share because of the Class B stock, while someone with Class A shares holds only one vote per share. The lawsuit cited McMahon stepping down from his WWE duties last year amid reports of more than $12 million in secret settlements to his accusers and the letters between McMahon and the board from December that were part of the SEC filings. In one letter to McMahon, the board mentioned the denial to protect stockholders, your return to the company at this time, the board wrote, would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective given that government investigations into your conduct by the United States Attorney's Office and SEC are still pending. So now he's got the SEC, complete control via the SEC, right? And... Your return to this company at this time, the board wrote, would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. He doesn't give a shit about what the shareholders say. And he's made that clear with this move about, you know, what he did. New filing with the SEC means he no longer needs approval from stockholders. He's basically said, fuck them. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't need them. This is, this is how calculated Vince McMahon is. Look at what they said. Look at what the board of directors wrote. In regards to McMahon, imposed his personal will on the WWE. He adopted a package of invalid and inequitable bylaw amendments that would hamstring the board from making critical decisions. Your return to this company at this time would not be prudent from a shareholder value perspective. So not only did he rid all of those who voted no on the board, he basically said, fuck you to the shareholders as well. And he's going to do what he wants to do on his way to selling the company and possibly regaining ultimate power in the WWE. He's got everything on his side. This is what he's been planning for seven months, and it worked. And now he's back, and he's the chairman of the board once again. It's disgusting. As the police and fire system tells it, McMahon's move run afoul of both Section 141 of the Delaware General Corporation Law and WWE's charter, altering the company's governance structure in the absence of bargained for exchange between WWE and McMahon, the system asserts, usurps the power of the board over critical corporate management functions and vests it solely in McMahon in his capacity as a stockholder. Neither Delaware law nor WWE's charter permits the kind of transfer of power the system says occurred, and the system wants a declaration the consent is void. This lawsuit comes after the same suit was filed on January 10th by a WWE stockholder named Scott Fellows. Attorneys from Labaton Such a Row, Friedlander and Garris Law represent the police and fire fund and fellows. Several law firms were looking into potentially filing lawsuits against McMahon when the hush money scandal first broke last summer. And now that he's back, complaints are starting to be filed with likely more to come. It's almost as if nobody thinks... Well, you know, nobody on Vince McMahon's side thinks that he did anything wrong. And yet everybody looking at this from the outside looking in and the people who are on the WWE side here as a shareholder and people on the board of directors, some of them that are no longer there, saw what Vince McMahon was doing, knew that it was wrong. 
said something about it. He changed bylaws. He's got everything on his side. People fucking quit because he knew, or they knew rather, that he was not going to let this thing go, and they didn't want to be a part of this fucking shit show. Meanwhile, you got Nick Khan out here praising Vince McMahon, the way that he's handled things. How, how bad does that make Nick Khan look when you got something like this that is out there in the general public? You got Nick Khan on the Bill Simmons podcast saying that he admires the way Vince McMahon has handled this thing by going away for six months, seven months, and then coming back and just taking power again. Meanwhile, this, I don't know none of this fucking jargon, the way that they speak. All I know is everything that I read you It means to me, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. The man blacklisted fucking several people. The guy fucking blackmailed and fucking changed things that are unheard of to get back to where he is. He manipulated power in every sense of the word. And nobody's batting a fucking eyelash. And nobody is worried. Nobody. Oh, don't worry about it. The fuck you mean, don't worry about it? This man has abused ultimate power here to get back from being retired to taking back basically most of what he had and you're not fucking worried? Look at the ultimate power this man has wielded. You don't think that's going to bleed into what we see on television? No matter what they say, I've been telling you this for weeks, they're not going to actively get rid of Paul Levesque. They're not going to change things on television. They're not going to do it right in front of your face. They're going to do it secretly. You will know when things change. You will know when things feel different. Just watch the show and keep an eye out for those changes. But if you don't think that this man is capable of making those changes that we care about on TV, to swing back to what he wants to do, I don't know what to tell you. Look at what this man has done on Wall Street. Look at what this man has done with the board of directors and with the company corporately. You don't think that this man has the power to fucking say, hey, I want to run creative again. I want things to go my way once again. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen right now because that would be a detriment to the company and would be a bad look. They're not going to fire Triple H, who's beloved by everybody. It's going to happen when the company sells. And that's going to be one of the things that's going to be on the table for when the WWE sells. If you don't think so, you're out of your fucking mind. Vince is going to sell the company and the lobbying of Vince McMahon is going to result in him selling the company And me being in ultimate power. Me being in control. And when the company is sold, it's not going to be a publicly traded company. It's going to be a private company, rumored. We don't know if that's going to be the case or or whatever it's going to be after the company sold. Him taking the company private away from Wall Street means that he doesn't need to look at the fucking shareholders. None of these fucking lawsuits are going to matter. He's not going to listen to the board of directors. He's not even going to need a board of directors. He's not going to need to answer to anybody corporately ever again outside of the people who dwell in his office, which is one person, and that's Vince McMahon. This is the plan. He wants to sell the company, take it private, and answer to nobody. You think he wants these fucking shareholders? Lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. This is a bad look. Everybody knows he's done wrong. Vince doesn't see that he's done wrong. I don't get it. None of this makes sense to me. None of it. I, I don't believe what I'm reading on a, on a week-to-week basis with this shit. And just like all these other lawsuits, he's going to get by it, and he's going to overcome it, and he's going to throw money at them because that's Vince McMahon's fucking way. Let me throw money at a problem. It fixes everything. Vince McMahon reaches a multi-million dollar legal settlement 
with Rita Chatterton, who accused him of rape back in 1986. Settlement. Now, I do agree. I do agree that Vince McMahon paid this woman off, gave her whatever she wanted, because the litigation, if this went to court, probably would have been more than the actual settlement that Vince McMahon settled with, with Rita Chatterton. It would have been more for him to go to court, and he would have expended more, you know, funds, and it would have been just a complete mess for Vince McMahon. So he settled out of court with a multi-million dollar legal settlement. The story notes that Shatterton agreed to pay a lesser amount than what she was asking, but what she will be getting is in the millions of dollars, according to people familiar with this matter. This is, this is coming from the Wall Street Journal, and they are reporting that Vince reached a settlement with former referee Rita Shatterton. Mr. McMahon denies, of course he does, and always has denied, of course he has, raping Miss Shatterton. Because admitting to rape is going to make Vince McMahon look great in the lieu of a sale of WWE, right? And he settled the case solely to avoid the cost of litigation, which I believe. McMahon's attorney, Jerry McDevitt, said in a statement to the Wall Street Journal. Now, they said that paying this woman off is not an, you know, is not a party of Vince McMahon admitting guilt. This is not an admission of guilt for Vince McMahon. I mean, you, you could look at it one way or another. I mean, those who think that he raped this woman, you know, you're going to continue to think that he raped this woman. And, and those to think that Vince McMahon is innocent in this situation, you're going to continue to think Vince McMahon is innocent in this situation. Nobody knows for sure what the fuck happened. It's he, it's he said versus she said. So, you know, it made the news. After all these years, you know, 2022, this, this story is being arose from 1986, you know, when... Uh, the dirt continues to be thrown on Vince McMahon. Here comes another woman looking for uh, another settlement from Vince. Shatterton alleged that she was raped by McMahon in the back of a limousine in 1986. She did not go public with the story until 1992 because of her parents being in ill health. But she spoke to Geraldo Rivera about her parents passing away. The allegations were later backed up by former WWF wrestler Mario Mancini. He stated on his podcast that Shatterton told him about what McMahon allegedly did to her on the day after the alleged incident. So, like I said before, earlier this week, Vince McMahon comes into a situation. There's a situation with Vince. He throws money at it, and it all goes away. That's exactly what Vince McMahon did here. I'm assuming this was going to be one of those little things that he didn't want on his desk while he tries to sell the WWE by the summer of 2023. He didn't want this looming over his head, because this could have been, you know, one of those things that just doesn't go away and paints the WWE in a bad light. So this woman gets what she wants. She can now shut up and Vince can move on and sell the company. And this woman isn't really going to make Vince or the WWE look bad from this point on. So there you go. Not a single word will be ever said again about Rita Chatterton. Throw money at it and Vince is going to make it disappear. WWE's Vice President of Communications, Adam Hopkins, gone after 25 years with the company. This goes along with another WWE Vice President of Communications, Stephanie Fiondella. She leaves the company. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that these people want to go and do something else with their life, but being with some place for 25 years... 
I mean, that's a little fucking outlandish. You spent 25 years of your life with one company and you just decide that you want to get up and leave after one day. And I find it funny how Vince is now back in Titan Tower and all of these names are now all of a sudden disappearing. I don't find that to be just a dink. It's Vince. When the board of directors and the shareholders said that it would be a bad look for Vince to come back and it wouldn't be in the company's best interests for him to come back, I'm assuming that had a lot to do with other people working in Stamford, Connecticut as well, that they didn't want to be around it because they knew with him back that nothing was going to be the same as it was for the last seven months and that things were drastically going to change. Ridiculous. Adam Hopkins, WWE's vice president of communications, is no longer with the company. Hopkins had been with the company for 25 years in various roles. He was also the main contact for many in the media whenever clarification or statement was needed from the company. Hopkins also helped set up talent interviews, and he was seen as someone who was very valuable to the company, which makes his departure that much more shocking. There was no word on why Hopkins left, but... Fightful says that they hope to have news on this, hopefully sometime soon. You don't need news on it. Hopkins is gone. Stephanie Fiondella is gone because Vince is back in the company. That's what you're going to really attribute to this. There's no other, there's no other reason. But what are you going to do? I don't even know how old this guy is. Stephanie Fiondella, she is gone from the company. Fiondella started with the company back in 2004. As Vice President of Marketing and Communications Operations, a role she held for nearly 15 years until January 2019. She would leave WWE before returning in early 2021 in her most recent role. There she oversaw the promotion's thought leadership program and strategy while also landing speaking engagements for company executives as well as superstars at industry events. In addition, she served as co-chairperson of the WWE's Women's Affinity Group. So she was the co-chairperson of the WWE's Women's Affinity Group. Now, I find that to be funny as well that she got up and left, especially with Vince being back and the rumors still circulating that WWE potentially could sell to Saudi Arabia. I find that funny that she's gone and she was a part of that as co-chairperson. Less than two weeks ago, an employee meeting was called at WWE Stanford headquarters in order to boost the spirits of concerned employees amidst the word of a potential sale of the company alongside Vince McMahon's return. It was stressed that the management team would all maintain their roles at that time, but within days, Stephanie McMahon got up and quit the company and removed herself from the board of directors. Apparently, Stephanie Fiondella didn't believe a fucking word that Vince McMahon, Paul Levesque, and Frank Riddick III uttered in that meeting. And that there are legitimate concerns from Stephanie Fiondella, I'm sure, about the company potentially selling to Saudi Arabia. So they're abandoning ship right now because they don't trust the leadership of Vince McMahon. Same thing with Adam Hopkins. 25 years, liked by everybody, just gets up and quit. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Vince and the fact that Vince is back and in Stanford, in his office, again, Two separate talent meetings were also called in recent days, one before SmackDown and one before Raw this past week to help calm the nerves about rumored changes. During them, Paul Levesque tried to dispel worries about a sale, but also about any changes to creative and that side of things in WWE. However, as we've seen, what is said and what is done 
is completely different in the WWE world. It could be said one week and everything could be changed. Just like Stephanie McMahon said, yeah, nothing's going to change. And then the biggest change of all is she gets up and fucking quits and leaves. And it's not because she wants to go home and be a mother and she wants to go home and, you know, seek other opportunities. She left WWE, a place that she loved to work. Everybody had so many gleaming things to say about Stephanie McMahon. Just gets up and quits. I'm sorry, I I don't find that to be of right mind or logical. She left because Vince is back, and she knows that, A, a potential sale to the Saudis could be looming, B, nothing good is going to come with him back, C, she knows exactly what her father's capable of and the changes that he probably will end up making at the end of all this, and D, listen, more dirt from the Wall Street Journal could potentially be uncovered. I want nothing to do with this with him being back. Everything was going great. They tried to clean up everything in WWE with Vince being gone, and now he's back, and he's going to make even a bigger mess than he did before. So people are jumping overboard. They're abandoning ship. You got Adam Hopkins, 25 years. Stephanie Fiondella, nearly 15 years, right? 16, 17 years in WWE. You got Devon Dudley leaving WWE. Three board members were fired. Two others quit. Right, the board of directors voted him unanimously to stay away. Then in January, they voted unanimously for him to return. I mean, none of this makes sense. Then you got Kevin Dunn at these fucking talent meetings telling everybody that everything's going to be the same, nothing's going to change, and blah, blah, blah. Yes, I'm supposed to believe Kevin Dunn in the light of all these fucking changes happening in WWE, right? The one guy that Vince McMahon trusts more than anybody to stay hush-hush. I'm going to trust Kevin fucking Dunn. Triple H seemingly is holding talent meetings basically to convince himself that he will continue to run creative. Nobody finds this to be a coincidence that Vince McMahon is back during WrestleMania season. You don't think that this man thought to himself, there won't be a WrestleMania without me back. WrestleMania, Vince created WrestleMania. You think this man is going to be back to have WrestleMania happen without him? (laughs) Fuck out of here. You got to be fucking kidding me, man. I don't believe how people just fucking just take this and say, yeah, whatever, man. Now, Vince is back. He's not going to do any harm to the company. He's already doing harm to the company. Changes are happening. Look at what he's done to Wall Street. Look at what he's done to the fucking corporate side of WWE. Manipulating power and blackmailing people in, in, into doing things to, you know, appease him. This is sad. It is sad. Who knows what type of WrestleMania season we're going to get? Who knows how much Vince McMahon is going to have a say into what's going to happen? I I mean, you know, all the rumors about Vince and Triple H in communications and creative suggestions being thrown Triple H's way, you you don't really know. You don't really know because I don't think that they're going to have Triple H removed publicly for Vince McMahon. It It would be a complete shit show. That, that company would be turned upside down to a point where it is going to be, it, it's not going to be a place people are, are going to want to work. And it's not going to be a place or a show or a company that people are going to want to watch if Vince McMahon is in charge. And I hope that is the case. Like I said, I hope people, whoever is interested in buying this company, realizes that the company is better off without Vince McMahon running it. And, and whoever buys the company, I hope that it's really at the top of their priority list. We're going to buy the company, but we don't want Vince in charge. We're going to pay premium dollar. We're going to pay what you want, 
But I don't want Vince in charge. I want Stephanie in charge. I want Stephanie back. And I want Paul Levesque in charge of creative with absolutely no hindrance of Vince McMahon filtering into the creative side of things. I said this from the word go. Vince McMahon is all about ego. Vince McMahon, you're not going to hear this from Nick Khan. You're not going to hear this from anybody that is on his side. You're going to have Nick Khan fucking do a thousand fucking interviews. He's going to shill you a thousand times over. Vince McMahon is a jealous old egomaniac. He did not. And you could sit there and listen to Nick Khan say things are great and all this other shit, which we'll get into in a second. Vince would not ever allow this company to be run by Triple H and Stephanie McMahon better under their watch than under what Vince McMahon did to lead the WWE. It will eat him alive. This is why we're getting a sale of the company. Vince would rather get the company sold, get it out of the family, because he cannot stand the fact that the company could potentially be run with him out of the equation better than when he was in charge himself. So he's going to sell the company and he's going to get Triple H and Stephanie McMahon paid off of all the hard work that he's done for 40 years with the WWE. He's going to get it in the hands of somebody else because it's their problem now. If he has another McMahon run the company, he would not ever allow that McMahon and that generation of McMahon to run the WWE better than his WWE. You have to understand this. That's the reason why we're getting a sale of the company. We're getting a sale of the company for that, and Vince McMahon potentially lobbying and leveraging himself back in creative. Those are the two reasons we're selling the company, because I said this for how many times now? I said this for weeks now while covering the story. Why are you selling the company? Is it really a necessity to sell the company now when everything is up, interest is up, ratings are going to be up this WrestleMania season more so than they were last year. Interest in the company is up. Pay-per-view buys are up or Peacock subscriptions are up. Ticket sales are up. Merchandise is up. Everything is up. Everything was up. If you compare this seven months with what Triple H and Stephanie did to WWE compared to last year's WWE, everything on TV from what you see on TV was up. Everything regarding the product creatively and interest in the car, everything was up, skyrocketed over Vince McMahon. And you mean to tell me that Vince didn't have a problem with this? Why do we need Vince there? I I never understood any of this. None of it made sense to me. This is exactly what the reasons are. And you need to understand that. None of it makes sense. So on top of all these people leaving, WWE also removed independent wrestling content from Peacock. Again, this might be a non-issue to you. This may be a small story to you. But I find the fact that WWE removing the independent wrestling content from Peacock, now that Vince McMahon is back in charge, I find that not to be a coincidence. This is exactly the type of power play that Vince McMahon wields. Now that he's back, I mean, nobody, I didn't even know independent wrestling was on Peacock, to be quite honest with you. I don't watch WWE Network to watch independent pro wrestling or the promotions that they're affiliated with. But people, there is an audience that did like that type of stuff. So that stuff was on there, not bothering anybody, innocent as innocent can be, adding content blocks to the fucking subscription service. And meanwhile, it's now gone. Because Vince McMahon is back. And Vince McMahon 
again, showing you where his priorities lie. They never went forward with the tiered idea for the WWE Network to add content from independent promotions, which they had a working relationship with, such as ICW, Progress, and Evolve. When WWE made a deal with Peacock in the United States, it came along with the indie content. However, it looks like the content will be going away. Insane Championship Wrestling's videos are currently being listed as expiring in the next two days on Peacock, which is now gone. A video from WXW's wrestling promotion in Germany is also slated to air this Sunday. Fightful notes that they'll discontinue indie content on the WWE Network. It's unclear exactly when the content will stop being uploaded. So Vince McMahon's back in Stanford, Connecticut. Vince McMahon is now back in his seat as chairman of the board and making moves. And all of a sudden, this news breaks on top of vice presidents leaving, Devon Dudley leaving, Stephanie McMahon quitting and stepping away from the board of directors, the meetings backstage being, uh, you know, a thing on Raw and SmackDown, trying to calm everybody's nerves, everybody wondering if, if the WWE is going to sell to Saudi Arabia. You know, all, all this shit happening, and, and then this happens. When Vince McMahon's back and you find this to be hey, another day in the WWE. No, it's all in the same fucking breath. Vince is back and... You know, this, 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 this is all happening because Vince McMahon is back. That, may, that might be a non-story to you. The reason why I included it here is to put it into the list of things that are now happening. And I want you guys to be aware of the things happening with Vince McMahon now being back in power in WWE. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence whatsoever. You might have liked the independent wrestling shit on Peacock and the WWE Network, and you're no longer going to be you know, having access to that. So there you go. There you go. There is a feeling internally that Vince McMahon may return to TV soon. I would not be shocked if Vince is at Raw 30. I hope to God not. I would not be shocked that Vince shows up at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Again, I hope to God not. I would not be shocked if Vince McMahon opens WrestleMania and gives us his opening speech for WrestleMania thanking the WWE universe. And when you, I'm telling you this right now, when you see Vince McMahon back on television, Vince McMahon is going to be seated in Gorilla. I'm telling you right now, when that man is on TV, you know that that man is back in power. What what else is he going to do? What is Vince, what is Vince going to do if he's going to be on TV and then walk back through that curve, what is he going to go sit in the fucking locker room with the rest of the talent? What are you going to sit in catering and have some of Titus's green beans? No, that man is going to be sitting right next to Triple H. Hey, uh, hey, Paul, uh, let, let's do this. Uh, hey, Paul, let's get Omas on TV. Hey, Paul, let's get uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode back on TV. You know, that's what that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Let's get Austin Theory out there as Theory and have him show up with a golden egg. That's exactly what's going to happen. Those creative suggestions are not going to be suggestions. They're going to be downright orders from Vince McMahon. So when you see him back on television, which I assume will be soon, and the feeling is that he will be back on television, you know exactly when that is. He's going to be back in that chair. Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that there is a feeling internally that WWE will see Vince McMahon return to television in the very near future to see what kind of reaction he gets. He did this before he resigned from the company last summer. Vince came out and the story broke from the Wall Street Journal that he paid off this woman and that woman, which resulted in $19.7 million being funneled 
through company funds to pay off these women for sexual acts that he committed over the years with several different women, right? Got John Laurinaitis the fucking boot from the WWE. People were bowing to him. His theme music hit. He showed up on SmackDown and he did his then now forever together. And people were legitimately bowing to him in the crowd. You know how that cheesy fucking, uh, you know, those cheesy fans just sit there and bow as if he's some fucking royalty, right? And then he showed up on Monday Night Raw the following week, did the same fucking thing. It was the night John Cena returned to WWE. He did the same fucking thing. Absolutely. No rhyme or reason for his inclusion on the show. He comes out, he does what he's got to do, he says what he's got to say, and then he goes back. He was literally on TV for about 20 seconds. He did it to gauge a reaction. He did it to show everybody, hey, I could do what I want to do, and I could be painted as an evil individual, and I could show up here, and these people don't give a single fucking shit about what is happening to me. They're going to consider me just like they did and look at me just like they did in the past. And they're not going to care about anything that's going on with me personally and away from this show. That's exactly why he did it. And he's going to do it again. Mark my words. He will do it again to gauge a reaction from the fans. And when that happens, it will be all the fucking motivation he needs to say, you know what? I'm going to need a a role. I'm going to need to take back my spot here on television because if these people don't give a fuck, then the people at home seemingly don't give a shit. And that's exactly what he's planning to do. And that's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm afraid of. Vince is at the office, says Dave Meltzer. He hasn't been on TV yet, but I say probably yet. Is he going to be on TV? There are certainly rumors running around that he will. I've asked some people and they wouldn't be surprised, but it's not like there's a date. But is he going to be on a week from Monday? Is he going to be at Raw 30? Is he going to be at the Royal Rumble? WrestleMania? Who knows? There's that feeling that Vince is going to want to go out on TV and he'll get a big reaction when he does. He's in the office. He's talking about other things than the sale. And I think there'll probably be more and more Vince fingerprints as time goes on. As far as creative goes, it just depends. If Vince wants it, he will work to get it back. He may do it slowly. Who knows, Meltzer said. You know, Meltzer, you could take whatever whatever he says with a grain of salt. You could uh, sit there and say that Dave has gotten more wrong than he's gotten right. But, I mean, even he feels. And Dave Meltzer knows a thing or three about Vince McMahon. If Dave uh, understands that this is something that potentially seriously could happen, I don't know why other people are not worried about it. I don't know why anybody's not worried about it. You guys are worried about it. I know I'm worried about it. I don't want it to happen. The feeling that Vince is back on television, we might not get it now, but the closer we get to WrestleMania, potentially at WrestleMania, which could be the biggest WrestleMania of all time, I could certainly see Vince McMahon back on television to gauge a reaction, to give himself the motivation that he needs to think, hey, if these people don't give a fuck, then I'm going to take my position back because if they don't care, then the people at home watching our show don't seemingly give a shit either. But yes, it is the opposite. We, we definitely do give a shit. Nobody wants Vince back. Nobody wants Vince in that chair. 77, 78-year-old Vince McMahon should not be running a show that caters to children and young adults. I'm sorry. He's completely out of touch. Vince McMahon could sit in that chair and appoint Bruce Prichard as creative. I would not be shocked if that happens again and Paul Levesque is fucking weaseled out of his position.
This is a, a terrible, uh, this is a terrible notion. You may not be worried now, and you may be excited for the Royal Rumble, but I want you guys to keep it in the back of your head about the possibility of this happening. Because it is likely that it will happen. Shifting gears to The Rock. I got one small news article on The Rock, then we'll get into the Nick Khan situation, and then I got more bigger news on The Rock as it pertains to WrestleMania. Now, this is in light of Vince McMahon being back, and Vince McMahon being in Stanford, Connecticut again, and working out of his office, and you know him being the chairman of the board. Vince McMahon's return and all that he's done so far up until this point for WWE, his return isn't expected to affect The Rock's WrestleMania status. Now, if The Rock is supposed to show up, or if The Rock is going to show up at WrestleMania, it's not going to affect you know, WWE's stance on The Rock or WrestleMania with The Rock's inclusion in Los Angeles. So Vince McMahon's back in WWE, you guys know that. Some of McMahon's return you know, may affect John Cena and The Rock's decision to work WrestleMania 39. His return raises the question of whether they would want to be associated with the current happenings and controversies going on with WWE and Vince McMahon. Now, this is me. I've mentioned this a couple of times. This is just me speaking out loud. John Cena was supposed to wrestle Austin Theory, I do believe, at SummerSlam. They held off on that. John Cena came back to uh, celebrate his 20 years in WWE over the summer, right before SummerSlam. They were definitely planning Austin Theory versus John Cena. And that is when the height of all this Vince McMahon drama was kind of being, you know, riled up by the Wall Street Journal and everybody was talking about it. And John Cena obviously wants to start transitioning away from WWE. He wants to be more mainstream in Hollywood. And I do, I do feel that John Cena was supposed to wrestle Austin Theory, but did not because, you know, with all that's going on with Vince McMahon at that time, it would have been a bad look for John Cena to come back to the WWE in the light of this Vince McMahon stuff after being away for so long and then wrestle for WWE and then go back to Hollywood. He felt like it probably would have ruined his chances for getting another gig or, or some higher level gigs or would have given his reputation a bad look. He didn't want none of that. So he came and he gave the speech about, you know, you'll see me when you'll see me. This is not uh, going to be a, a long goodbye. You'll see me sometime in the near future, right? Meanwhile, I do think he was supposed to wrestle Austin Theory at SummerSlam this year. So for years, WWE has tried to get The Rock versus Roman Reigns. And for the last several months, WWE has been going with the idea that the match can happen potentially at WrestleMania 39, depending on whether The Rock can fit it into his schedule. Now, The Rock should be able to fit it into his schedule. He's had more than two fucking years. He's even teased it himself for the last two years. It's been teased on Young Rock. He's been asked a myriad of questions about this. If he wanted it to happen, he should have fit it into his schedule by now. WWE also expects Cena to wrestle at WrestleMania and will have no bearing on Vince McMahon being back. It was being reported exclusively by WrestlingNews.co as of a few months ago, internal plans call for Cena versus Logan Paul. Now, we don't really know if that's happening. We don't even know if Logan Paul is going to end up in jail for what he did with his crypto scam or what's going on with that. I don't even know if WWE is going to want to really be in bed with Logan Paul because you know when that man shows up back on television, all that shit is going to be amplified by the WWE fucking uh, Gen Zers out there. You, you know exactly what's going to happen. Everybody is going to ask, why is this guy on television? He should be locked up for the scam that he did and blah, 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 all this crypto bullshit that I don't really give a fuck about. But you know that's going to happen. So who knows if it's Logan Paul versus John Cena. That is an option. I think Austin Theory should get the rub from John Cena. That's just me. Uh, if Logan Paul is going to wrestle anybody at WrestleMania, John Cena would definitely be one of the top guys that he would wrestle 
at WrestleMania. I don't really have another name outside of John Cena for Logan Paul. But again, he may not even be on the show for what he did and could potentially land him in jail. I don't even think Logan Paul is really needed if they get if they get Rock, if they get Cena, if they get Austin back at WrestleMania. I mean, why do we need Logan Paul? If you get all three of those guys, I think excluding Logan Paul from WrestleMania isn't really going to be a bad look for WWE or it's not going to hurt WrestleMania at all. Dave Meltzer noted that McMahon's return will have no impact whatsoever on The Rock's decision to return. Now, what could change The Rock's mind would be if WWE was sold to Saudi Arabia, which is not really happening right now. I don't think anybody should be concerned about WWE selling to the Saudis. It's not going to go through. And all of that nonsense, which has now landed Steve Mulhausen of DAZN in the fucking doghouse for several years. His credibility is completely ruined. Cassidy Hayes of Bodyslam.net, completely ruined, right? All these guys, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. Everybody ran with it. People were making videos on it. People were live the day that it fucking got announced. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, man. I was one of the very few content creators that did not go live until all of the information was uncovered, and then the next day it ended up being debunked, and I'm glad I didn't go live. And listen, it's a lot for me to say that because I'm sure it would have been a very lucrative time being live for me. It probably would have been a 5,000-viewer easy night if I went live with Super Chats out the ass, and I did not go live. Because I'd rather have my credibility and I would rather wait for more information to be revealed so that we can have a logical, down-to-earth discussion on everything. And then Stephanie McMahon ended up walking away and that's all the ammunition I needed to go live anyway. Because there was plenty to talk about with her stepping away from WWE, never mind the fucking Saudi deal. The basic thing is that Dwayne is going to do what he wants to do. If he has the time, the Vince stuff is going to have no impact whatsoever. He's going to do it if he feels he can do it, and he'll have time to train for it, which he may not because of the XFL. I did talk with Garrett about this as well. I'm assuming Garrett is one of his other co-hosts. The Vince thing will have no impact. A sale to Saudi Arabia is a different story, but that's not going to happen before WrestleMania anyway, most likely. So Vince coming back, is it going to affect John Cena? Is it going to affect The Rock? No, they're going to do whatever they are going to do before. They expect John Cena at WrestleMania, and as far as The Rock goes, it depends on his time frame and schedule. I would say we're within two weeks of a yes or no, and that's less than now because the Royal Rumble is legitimately uh, less than a week away. And they have to have their answer by the Royal Rumble because they've got to know what to do at the Rumble and what to do at WrestleMania, says Dave Meltzer. It might not have any bearing. We have no sale to Saudi Arabia. The Saudi Arabia sale is not going to happen. They just hired uh, a few weeks ago J.P. Morgan Chase to uh, get shit together for them. You know, it was a story that a lot of people ran with. There is still a possibility that the Saudis could buy the company. There is a possibility that Vince can sell uh, sell part of the company to uh, someone else. And, you know, the company could be broken up into different parts. We don't know. But they're targeting the summer. And it's going to take a little bit to get all their ducks in a row. Vince needs to continue to, you know, manipulate things on his end to see where he fits into plans and how he gets ultimate power. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. You're not just going to sell to Saudi Arabia and then have everything just completely turned on its head. That would be a complete disaster for WWE. There is no good 
coming to WWE if they inevitably sell to the Saudis. And, and that could be a potential reason for a lot of things. That could be a potential reason why, why that Stephanie Fiondella left the company. Vice President of Communications. That could be a reason why Stephanie McMahon walked away from the WWE. We, we don't know. We don't know how likely a sale is to Saudi Arabia, but you know the possibility of it happening is there. And if they're going to blow away WWE with an offer, how could Vince say no to that? You know he's going to want to sell to them. So we'll see what happens, and only time will tell as far as what a WWE sale is going to look like. And they look to have the company sold. They would like, realistically, to sell the company by the summer of 2023. We're going to get into the Nick Khan situation. Nick Khan was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and we're going to get into some of the comments that he had on the Bill Simmons podcast, which I thought were utterly ridiculous. I thought Nick Khan really came off as a con man. He wanted people to really believe what he was saying to Bill Simmons. And, you know, I don't really listen to Bill Simmons. This was legitimately the first time that I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast. He's a very very well-spoken guy. He's a fan of the product. Uh, He's in his 50s. He asked the right questions. He asked about Stephanie. He asked about why she stepped down. He asked about why Vince even needs a board of directors and what he did was wrong and you know, he asked about a potential sale to Saudi Arabia and all this other shit. He asked the right questions. Did he follow up and really grill Nick Khan? No. Because I don't think somebody like that who has obviously business... Bill Simmons has business ties to the WWE, and he's not going to grill Nick Khan to benefit his own gain. He's not going to grill the CEO of WWE and ruin or potentially ruin any opportunities he has with the WWE. You know, that's part of what he does. But he did ask the right questions, which I do appreciate more so than anybody else would have asked. But this interview gave light into really who is running the WWE and what they truly think about us. They take us for fools. They take us for a bunch of idiots. And we're going to get into that in just a second. We got 2,300 people in the chat. I want to thank you guys for showing up tonight. Please, if you guys want to get in to the VIP club, hit that join button down below. Make sure to become a channel member. You guys get access to members-only chats like this tonight. You guys get emotes and badges. Sign up. It's a great deal. I'm looking to really break through to 1,000 members this year on OTS. And Super Chats are open. Get them on in. We're going to hang out at the end of the night with our cold beverages, and you guys can ask me anything you want. Also, I would love if you guys continue to hit the thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum. Today on OTS 460. Nick Khan. He was interviewed by Bill Simmons to talk about WWE, Vince McMahon's return, and the Saudi Arabia rumor that never was true to begin with. Khan was asked if Vince McMahon coming back to WWE, Stephanie McMahon leaving, and the rumors of a WWE sale seemed insane to him. Nick Khan says, and I quote, from the inside... It's not that insane to me because what's on the inside is just as insane as the chatter on social media. I, I can I can assume, right? It's not insane to him because Nick Khan is in an insane, insane asylum in WWE. That's basically what I got out of that. But it's also, you know, again, the word insider. When you're on the inside, you sort of see things that might be coming and know what might be coming. You know, my thought has always been there's only one boss at WWE, and it ain't me. 
Vince is obviously the founder, the creator of the company. He's also the controlling shareholder, which you know, that's not a work term. That's a legal term. So I think it was always my point of view, or was Stephanie's point of view at some point, that he would be back. So they knew he would be back. And they operated as if everything was going to move in a completely different direction. They voted him out unanimously. They said unanimously, Vince coming back would be a detriment to the WWE. And then all of a sudden, they are manipulated to a point where they all voted yes. And Vince manipulated the board of directors to swing power back to him, where they had no choice but to say yes. Yes, they thought Vince was going to be back, I'm sure. He came back and took control of his company as a control shareholder. So it is the public's company as a publicly traded company, but with that controlling share, gave him a lot of authority and he used it, and I applaud him for doing so. He applauds Vince McMahon for taking back the authority in WWE. He applauds Vince McMahon for paying $19.8 million of company money to keep women silent because of sexual escapades and hid everything behind everybody's back on top of all the years of all the wrong that he's done and all the shady business practices that Vince McMahon has done. He applauds Vince McMahon for the way he took authority and used it to get back where he is. This is the guy that you want to trust in WWE? A guy that applauds Vince McMahon for handling the things that happened in the last six months? That's not somebody I'm going to look at with fucking open eyes and say, hey, man, I trust this guy running my WWE. I don't trust this guy for a single solitary fucking second. He applauds Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon should be in fucking jail. Never mind being applauded. It's fucking ridiculous. Nick Khan was asked about McMahon and how McMahon decided to come back. I quote, well, so here's what I'd say. You and I had a conversation. He's talking to Bill Simmons, obviously. I don't remember the exact time frame, but whenever Ray Rice, the Ray Rice stuff happened in the NFL eight to 10 years ago, whatever it was, and there were conversations at that point, not your point of view, not my point of view, that, oh, Roger Goodell is going to resign. If you remember, he had a lot of heat on him. I think you and I both concluded to each other, well, no advertiser has fled. Ratings aren't down. The product seems to continue to build. Why would he resign? Why would he do that? So I've been here in L.A. for 22 or 23 years. Sometimes I think it's just a three-mile radius of L.A. thing. The hey, step down, and you have to sort, sort of be punished for it. It didn't used to be that way. So I think for somebody like Vince, and by the way, you, you and he are two different people. You're both founders and CEOs. I think founder CEOs are different than regular CEOs. So consider me for this moment in time a regular CEO. There's something about the founder CEO that sees the vision. Sort of, he sees the future. Can get there a moment in time before others can and then everybody else catches up. So he's talking about Roger Goodell and the NFL. Roger Goodell is going to resign. If you remember, he had a lot of heat on him, just like Vince McMahon, right? Vince McMahon had a lot of heat on him. Why would he do that? Why would he resign? He says the ratings were up. 
No advertiser fled. The ratings were, were, uh, weren't down. The product seems to continue to build. The, the thing is, when Vince, when Vince went away, the product took a leap in every different aspect, every possible aspect possible. When Vince was there, the ratings were fucking down. The interest in the product was at an all-time low. The attendance for these shows were dismal. I don't understand what the fuck he's talking about. Vince retired, quote-unquote, and things got better. It was like a fucking rainstorm and the great clouds over, over WWE. And then when Vince retired, all of a sudden he's seen the rays of sunshine just slowly seep on top of Stanford, Connecticut, and Titan Tower. It was like, it was like WWE was fucking poisoned. It was like WWE was cursed. So what the fuck is he talking about? With Vince gone, I can't tell you. I've been doing this for fucking 460 episodes, man. I got, I got 90 million views on this YouTube channel, man. I know a thing or two about fucking WWE. Not that I work there or anything. I know a thing or two about WWE. I know a thing or two about fucking content and being a podcaster. I know a thing or two about WWE. People have come to me in legions, email, DMs, fucking IG, you, you name it, comment sections. JD, I stopped watching the WWE for a long time. I'm going to give the WWE a new shot now with Paul Levesque in charge. Oh, JD, I haven't watched WWE ever since Vince McMahon buried the fucking company and ruined the company. He's made it into a WWE that I'm not interested in. There are a lot of people that did not watch the WWE because of Vince McMahon solely being in charge. There are legions of people that have come back to watch WWE now that Vince McMahon wasn't in charge. And you can sit there and claim to me that WWE's ratings are worse than Vince when he was there. You know, Monday Night Football is is a thing, ladies and gentlemen. WWE traditionally doesn't do well on Monday nights during the football season. You're going to see a very huge distinction in the ratings come this Monday and then going into the Royal Rumble and then after the Royal Rumble, and it's going to maintain that rating all the way through WrestleMania season. The NBA playoffs are going to have a fucking thing to do with WWE's ratings dipping a little bit in the spring and summer months. But when WWE gets back into the swing of things, when Monday Night Football isn't a hindrance, Triple H was getting Monday Night Raw into the twos, into the two ones. When has that ever happened? WWE had Monday Night Raw in the fucking one fives, one six, one seven for the last 24 months before Triple H took over. And you mean to tell me that the interest in the product was just as big or high when Vince McMahon was there? No. Royal Rumble was sold out six weeks before anything was announced. Outside the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble traditionally is a sellout anyway because everybody loves the Royal Rumble. But this is a Triple H book Royal Rumble. This is a Royal Rumble that Triple H is going to strategically put together himself. If that doesn't get people excited, I don't know what will. The Elimination Chamber is sold out. WrestleMania, two nights of WrestleMania are sold out. Clash of the Castle sold 66,000 tickets for Cardiff. Extreme Rules was the highest grossing Extreme Rules show and the most viewed Extreme Rules show of all time. Survivor Series sold out weeks before War Games was even announced for being a main roster gimmick. And you mean to tell me that Triple H and the interest Triple H brought to WWE isn't where it isn't a big deal? 
You think Vince McMahon garnered that much interest for the WWE? Not even close. Not even close. WWE, where was WrestleMania last year? In Dallas? They couldn't sell out two nights at AT&T Stadium. It's one of the largest fucking stadiums in the world. And they couldn't sell out two nights of WrestleMania. They barely filled both of those nights at two-thirds capacity. WrestleMania is completely sold out this year. Why? Is it L.A.? I'm sure, I'm sure it has to do with being in L.A. L.A.'s a major market. I don't know when the last time WWE even held a WrestleMania in Los Angeles. Is it because people are back out doing what they want to do because of COVID? Whatever the reason is, you know, you can name me. These are minor reasons for why things are happening with the interest in WWE. They're, you know, oh, people are telling me, oh, the, the, the Rock. People are thinking The Rock is going to show up at WrestleMania. So you mean to tell me WrestleMania was sold up because of a fucking inkling of an idea that The Rock is going to be back? Did WWE announce The Rock was going to be back in any way, shape, or form? Did they strategically go about fucking having it under the table? Did they sell it to you like Tony Khan did with CM Punk? Why would people buy WrestleMania tickets to potentially see The Rock when they have absolutely no clue of The Rock being back at WrestleMania? has nothing to do with any of that. It's WrestleMania, and it's a WrestleMania without Vince. Those are the reasons why WrestleMania sold out. Weeks before anything was announced. Back in 2022. But Nick Khan is telling me and everybody that the product continues to build. The ratings aren't down. Vince retired and the ratings went up. The ratings were down when Vince retired. Simmons asked about the WWE board shakeup and Vince bringing back Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. Listen to this answer. They know the company and their insiders. Tony Khan, not Tony Khan, I wish. Uh, Nick Khan said, there's a shorthand with them. So I think he engages in this, you know, potential transaction to have folks there that know the company, that know, hey, maybe certain things that happened in the past shouldn't have happened or in a modern-day point of reference culture, which I always try to look at these things from that perspective. Hey, certain things that weren't acceptable years ago aren't acceptable now. I think over time you can evolve with these things, and the modern-day rules should apply to modern-day. I don't think it should apply to the past. So Michelle Wilson and George Barrios were brought back because they know the company, and they are insiders. So they are insiders and they know the company. That's why they got brought back. They were brought back. I'm sure that's part of the reason why they were brought back. But Vince fired these two people himself. Vince fired Michelle Wilson and George Barrios himself. Now he brought them back. Why? Are they insiders? Sure. Do they know the company? Sure. They got brought back because Vince had no other alternative to get himself what he needed as far as board of directors and power swinging back in his direction. So he said, you know what? I'll pay you guys double what you were making last time. Let's get back to do work. And I need you on the board of directors. I'm going to fire these three fucking people. We're going to be on the board of directors. We're taking their three spots and we're going to facilitate a sale of the company. Meanwhile, they're going to give Vince a yes and a yes as far as voting him back into power, and that's the only reason why they're there. The other reason that Nick Khan gave you may be a reason, but it's way down on the list of priorities. They were brought back because they were manipulated to come back via Vince McMahon's ego and desire for power. That's why they were brought back. But you're not going to hear that from Nick Khan. You're not going to hear that from Nick Khan on the Bill Simmons podcast. They're insiders, and they are 
in the know and they know the company. Sure they do. Sure they do. Not the reason why they were brought back, though. Why Vince initially stepped down? I think Vince saw sort of the tonnage of things that were coming at him and us. One thing he always said, you know, this as a longtime fan, I'm also a longtime fan. He'll do whatever is best for business. Is that right? He'll do whatever is best for business. So if Vince McMahon takes over complete power in WWE and appoints himself as head of creative, is that what Vince thinks is best for business? Because I know the majority of the fucking fan base watching don't think that's what's best for business. Vince McMahon may think that's best for business, but what Vince McMahon thinks is not really best for business anymore. Whether it's bringing the ultimate warrior back 20 plus years ago or whatever that might be, I think at that moment in time, he saw what's best for business was for him to step away for a while. So he did. And he really did step away. You know, Nick Khan saying that he stepped away. Some people, you know, on social media, the chatterboxes on social media, some people that watch the show as regularly as I do, you know, they saw some of the things happen on TV and they were convinced that some of the things that they were seeing and some of the changes that we've seen over the last six to seven months of WWE television going from really good to kind of subpar again and whatnot. If you told me that Vince was back or Vince was running Gotham from fucking Arkham Asylum, you know, I would not sit there and tell you that you're wrong. Because I do believe at some point he was running Gotham City from Arkham Asylum. I do. And I I still kind of believe that to this day. You know, Triple H may be in charge, and Triple H may have the majority of what he wants to do there on the table. But if you don't think Vince... Vince is, Vince is back in Stanford, Connecticut. Vince is back at Titan Tower. You don't think... You don't think Vince is picking up the fucking phone call, watching Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and telling Triple H what he thinks is best? What is Triple H going to do at that point? Tell Vince no? I don't think there's a lot of no's coming from Triple H. Vince McMahon's got Triple H by the fucking balls. Just look at the unanimous vote in January to elect him back as the head of board of directors. Triple H voted unanimous no, along with everybody else. You think this man's going to say no? Fuck out of here, man. Best for business. So he did. He stepped away. So there was no, hey, why are you doing this? Or I wouldn't do it that way. It was, in my opinion, total freedom to Stephanie, myself, and to Triple H on the creative side. It's only been a week, but he really, I believe, what he said publicly about, hey, I'm here to engage in strategic alternatives and the media rights. Well, then Nick Khan doesn't know Vince McMahon as well as we all think that we know Vince McMahon. Even though Nick Khan says he probably knows Vince McMahon better than a lot of people, not being a McMahon himself. But I don't think Nick Khan really knows Vince McMahon like the fans know Vince McMahon. He wants to do what's best for business? We'll see about that. If he's back in creative in any way, shape, or form, I don't know how anybody, including Nick Khan, thinks that's what's best for business. And I'm still wondering why Stephanie McMahon walked away. You got to wonder why. That was legitimately the answer to everybody's question. How bad are things going to get? Stephanie McMahon walking away. That is all the answer you need. Who knows what is going to come throughout WrestleMania season? Who knows what that man is capable of? Stephanie McMahon also walking away was our only protection for Triple H. Triple H has zero protection now. Zero 
Stephanie was his shield. Now with Stephanie gone and having no bearing on the company at all, Triple H is absolutely powerless. He's basically hanging on by a thread. You might not see it. You might not want to accept it. But he's hanging on by a thread. And that was the only thing keeping him in his place legitimately. Now that she's gone, that man could be removed tomorrow. We could wake up tomorrow and Triple H will be gone from creative. And who's going to be to blame for that? The guy that's the head of the board of directors who blackmailed and manipulated everybody in this situation to get back what he truly desires. Not to sell the company. It's about ultimate power. Tony Khan was asked if he's seen Vince McMahon involved with anything else. Zero, says Nick Khan. None. And by the way, I made it a point, as did others, to see him once a month or so while he was sitting out. I think those things are important, and it's no different, in my opinion, than when other mutual friends of ours who have gone through hard times professionally, that's when they sort of need to hear from folks most. Hey, you have forgotten about them, and you're appreciative of them, and all those things. So I think in staying in contact with them, which is mostly social and personal, there was never a moment of no, do it this way or do it that way. It just didn't happen. Nick Khan also talked about trying to stay away and stay out of family business. He was asked about Stephanie McMahon several different times by Bill Simmons, and he always circled around the question, never giving a true, legitimate answer. He was asked about Stephanie twice. Why did Stephanie step down? Why did Stephanie walk away? He did not answer the question. He even asked about Shane McMahon walking uh, or getting fired, rather. Vince fired his own son at the Royal Rumble, right? We heard that uh, last year. So we got those two names, two McMahons. There are no other McMahons outside Triple H in this company now, right? That's his son-in-law who's, again, hanging on by a thread. Nick Khan says he would not get in family business because it would be career suicide. He's not there to counsel. He's not there to get involved or step in and fucking stop in, in family fighting. You know, is there a problem between Stephanie McMahon and Vince McMahon? Nick Khan's not going to say so. He would not really reveal that to anybody because it's not really within his realm. It's not smart business for Nick Khan to really divulge family information when Nick Khan himself, with a sale of the company, is going to be set up for billions in assets. And, you know, he's going to get a big payday out of it. He's not there to counsel the McMahon family drama. He did not say why Stephanie walked away. He did not indulge in why Shane McMahon was fired by Vince McMahon. He said the Saudi Arabia sale was false. He would not get into a reason of that potentially being a reason why Stephen McMahon walked away and left the board of directors. Bill Simmons said, why do we even need a board of directors if Vince McMahon is going to wield this type of power? The questions were being asked. And then he gets into, you know, a lot of people want to create the chatter on social media that the McMahon family don't like each other, that Triple H is not liked by Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon is not liked by Triple H. You know, and then he says... You know, everything, everybody's getting along great. Everybody's getting along great. Clearly not. Stephanie McMahon walked away. If everybody's getting along so fucking great and you are not getting in front of family business, if you're not there, right, for family business, you don't want to get in the way of family business. How the fuck do you know what's great or not between the McMahon family members there? He just got, tell, he got done telling Bill Simmons that everything is great. And then before that, says to Bill Simmons, I don't get involved in family drama. How the fuck do you know how everything is great if you're not getting involved? 
I don't think there is, you know, a, a great day in Stanford with Vince being in charge and Triple H being head of creative and Stephanie walking away and, and Shane McMahon being fired by his father. There's not one normal fucking business day in WWE with that man back in power. There is problems with that man back in power. And Bill Simmons continued to ask the questions. He did not egg on Nick Khan. He was not pressuring Nick Khan. I didn't expect him to. I did not expect Nick Khan to come out there and, and belittle Vince McMahon. What good would that do? This is just this is one of those things, two friends talking about the hot button topics and giving you basically zero information on anything regarding WWE and what has happened since December. That's all this was. Was it a good listen? Sure, because Nick Khan doesn't really do these types of things. But he sat down with somebody he knows personally. Bill Simmons works for WWE in some way, shape, or form. So he got the coup of getting Nick Khan, the CEO, on his show. It's just a business a business transaction at the end of the day that provided zero information. And all I see is somebody who we put our faith in to run WWE the way that we hope he does. And he's bullshitting not only the fucking shareholders and the corporate side of WWE, but he's bullshitting the fucking fans as well. And I can't stand that. And I know I'm not to, I'm not to expect any other answers on top of what Nick Khan gave us, but it's bullshit. And like I said when this podcast dropped earlier in the week, do not believe a single word out of this man's mouth. Because there will be nothing of relevance in this podcast interview. Nothing. And that's exactly what it resulted in. WWE. Let's swing back to The Rock. We're going to talk about The Rock. This is another big hot button topic here. As things have happened this week. That have possibly given you an insight. As to Rock being in the Royal Rumble. At WrestleMania. Then WWE did something yesterday and pulled a segment from Monday Night Raw that could have potentially led to the return of Dwayne Johnson on WWE TV. So all these rumors got started, and these rumors started circulating in the IWC because WWE released new merchandise for The Rock right before Raw 30. Now, if you're wondering if The Rock is returning to WrestleMania or for WrestleMania season, no one in WWE will confirm this, and they will not. Why would they? But some new merchandise on WWE.com has now surfaced, and it only adds fuel to the rumors about The Rock returning for WrestleMania season. WWEshop.com has new hoodies up with The Rock's Brahma Bull logo on them. Since the company doesn't regularly drop Rock merchandise these days, one has to wonder if they're preparing for him to return sometimes within the next week or two. WWE also released a poster for the Royal Rumble, and people were insinuating that the lightning in the background of said poster is electrifying, meaning that The Rock is going to be at the Royal Rumble or in the Royal Rumble. During his interview with Bill Simmons, Nick Khan also asked, or Nick Khan was asked, I should say, about The Rock returning for WrestleMania, and Khan says he would not confirm or deny the rumors. So, you know, clearly Nick Khan's not going to divulge that type of information either. Someone who The Rock knows personally incredibly well. Now, WWE did announce that on Raw 30 last week, in the buildup to Raw 30 in Philadelphia tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw, that there will be a bloodline acknowledgement ceremony in which all of the elders of the Anawaii family and all Anawaii family members will be there to honor the tribal chief. Now, that got dropped. I'll talk about that in a little bit. That got dropped 
And that was a good indication that we could see The Rock show up during the Monday Night Raw program Monday and kind of lead into what he may be doing at the Royal Rumble. Now, with this Rock merchandise, you know, it, it could have been one of two things. One, WWE's got a slew of legends showing up on Monday Night Raw. You know, it, it could have been a, a giveaway obviously, for him to be included in the show, because why would you release merchandise if he's not there? Who cares about The Rock? Why are you releasing merchandise for The Rock if he's not going to be there? Obviously, you would want him to be wearing the merchandise, or if you're promoting new merchandise, he's going to be back. I mean, I don't really see that. I don't really see... I don't even know if he's got... I don't know if he's got some sort of deal with the WWE. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there internally with WWE. Merchandise deal, a Legends deal. I, I don't know what's going on with The Rock. It could have been simply for Raw 30, to go in line with all the other legends, right? Now, people obviously took this as, well, they're releasing merchandise, and all these other legends are on the show. Maybe he is actually going to be on Raw 30 as a big surprise on Monday night. That's a possibility. And then WWE, with this bloodline acknowledgement ceremony, all the members of the Anawaii family are going to be there. All the bloodline is going to be there. You can't have a bloodline acknowledgement ceremony without the king of the fucking bloodline there in Philadelphia. So WWE kind of, you know, they threw this out there and, and everybody ran with the idea that The Rock has to be there. This has to be The Rock showing up on Monday Night Raw. And you would think so. You can't have an Anawaii ceremony without fucking Dwayne Johnson being there. It's illogical. It's false advertisement. WWE really put themselves in, in a little pickle and they backed themselves into a corner by announcing this shit because clearly The Rock has to be there. Otherwise, why are you doing this segment? Then we get the report of The Rock indicating, now I don't know if he said this personally or if he said this to anybody, anybody or a publication, he's indicated that he won't have time to get into ring shape for WrestleMania 39. I didn't believe this fucking story for a single solitary second. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that The Rock's status for WrestleMania 39 is not set in stone, but it doesn't look like he will be wrestling because he feels like he doesn't have enough time to get into ring shape and the kind of shape he needs to be in for a match with Roman Reigns. Meltzer wrote, and I quote, we were told that unless he changes his mind in the next few days, since a deadline for mania plans are coming up, that he's indicated he won't have time to get into the kind of shape he wants. He feels he needs to be in main events shape to do a match with Roman Reigns, but kept the door open for something in the future. Of course, it is a possibility that it's something being kept secret from everybody. Now, I, I don't understand this story. I, I really don't. You know, you, you would think that Dwayne Johnson, who has been asked this for the last few years about a match with Roman Reigns, you would think, and I believe I read somewhere not too long ago that The Rock you know, WWE wanted to do this match last year at WrestleMania, and The Rock said no. The Rock said no. I wanted to, If it's going to happen, The Rock says he would rather have it at WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles because The Rock is the biggest Hollywood star in the world, and taking place in Los Angeles with WWE being at SoFi Stadium, that would be a big deal, right? If The Rock said no to last year, I want it to happen at WrestleMania 39, don't you think that The Rock should have been completely prepared for this match at this time, at this stage of the game, by now? 
If The Rock himself held off on the match and requested the match not take place last year, but it take place this year, you don't think that The Rock is in ring shape at this point? John Cena comes back once a year. You don't see John Cena complaining about being in ring shape. John Cena goes out there and still puts on a very good match. How much ring time did John Cena need? Now, I know The Rock hasn't wrestled in, what, six, seven years? Now, I know The Rock and John Cena, they're very comparable. They're not the same level of Hollywood star. They're not the same pro wrestler. John Cena's been there a lot more often than Rock has been. But John Cena... You know, you don't see him complaining about not being in ring shape. He was in one of the biggest matches of the year against Roman Reigns, right? And they had that match. I don't see John Cena complaining about not being in ring shape. John Cena wrestled this past December on SmackDown. You don't see him about, you know, going on and on about not being in ring shape. But The Rock, if you look at The Rock... The Rock is probably in, for his age, as good of shape as anybody at his age at, for what he does. He's as in good of a shape as anybody you've ever seen. Now, I know being in physical shape and being in ring shape, cardio is probably what he's talking about. But, I, I mean, I, I just I can't believe that Rock is not, you know, up there as far as where he wants his cardio to be. I don't I don't believe this story at all. What I look at here, this is the same thing that Edge did last year, right? He was supposed to come back. People were like, oh, are you going to be in the Royal Rumble? No, 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 no. No, I'm not going to be in the Royal Rumble. Meanwhile, Edge comes back at the Royal Rumble. He's a surprise in the Royal Rumble and blah, blah, blah. Everybody goes about doing this the same way, right? I honestly think The Rock has seen the rumors and has seen the reports about him being back and him being at Raw 30 and in the Royal Rumble and at WrestleMania and WWE and The Rock in conjunction with both both of each other. They're trying to dumb down these rumors as best as they can. How can they do that? They came up with the fucking excuse, the piss poor one, that The Rock is not in ring shape. Give me a fucking break. Give me a break. I mean, look at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin last year wrestled Kevin Owens in a match that was reportedly not even going to be a match. It was going to be a fucking KO show segment. How long do you think Stone Cold trained for that match that went nearly 15 fucking plus minutes at WrestleMania last year? You think Stone Cold trained for months and months and months and months for that match? I mean, Stone Cold is on Instagram training now, right? He's possibly... Going to be included in the Royal Rumble. He's possibly going to have a match at WrestleMania this year. All hands on deck for this year's WrestleMania. You don't see Stone Cold Steve Austin at 58 years old complaining about not being in ring shape. He went out and did the business with Kevin Owens. Meanwhile, we got The Rock, who's fucking, what, nearing 50? Who looks the way he does, complaining he's not in ring shape? And Stone Cold with his bad fucking knees... Didn't complain about not being in... I don't believe this fucking story for a goddamn fucking second. I really don't. I don't believe this for one single second. Meltzer noted that WWE was aware The Rock wasn't a sure thing for some time. As time went on, they felt the likelihood had lessened. Meltzer added, I don't know that he's officially turned it down, but the only indication is that it was considered less likely than a few months ago. The Rock has a lot of things going on with his businesses, and launching the the XFL in February. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it at all. Now, there was a report that WWE knew for a while that The Rock could not do WrestleMania 39. Oh, now, now they knew for a while. Now, now the reports are coming out that The Rock can't do WrestleMania. Now, we know WWE wanted an answer for The Rock and WrestleMania and what he was going to be doing this WrestleMania season. By the middle of January, they needed an answer. As previously reported, The Rock's status for WrestleMania 39 is not set in stone, but it doesn't look like he will be wrestling due to him feeling like he doesn't have enough time to get in the kind of shape he needs to be in a match with Roman Reigns. Meltzer added, anything is possible, and it's certainly possible he could be keeping everything a secret from all but one or two people. But the word is that he doesn't have the time to get into shape. Bullshit. All along, if he has the time to do it, he will do it. Put it this way. Most are of the opinion that it's not happening and it's been for months. Those on the inside thought the odds were not good based on that thing because his schedule, there's no such thing as 100% because it's a very secretive business. Within the business, within the company, it's not looking good, Meltzer stated. So, I don't know how The Rock conducts business. If I look at Dwayne Johnson and I look at Dwayne Johnson, the businessman, I would assume That Dwayne Johnson, the businessman, if he can't do something, he's going to give WWE more than enough time to say, you know what, I can't do it. Get somebody else in there. We'll talk about it at a later date. So The Rock, you mean to tell me The Rock and the WWE knew for months that The Rock wasn't going to be able to do WrestleMania 39, that we got reports up and down the IWC about WWE still waiting on an answer from The Rock in regards to the Royal Rumble and that they needed an answer by January 15th. But they knew for months. Don't you think The Rock would be a consummate professional and businessman? And if he couldn't do it, would have told Triple H or WWE back in fucking November that he couldn't do WrestleMania? No, he waited till one week before the fucking Royal Rumble to come up with the excuse that he's not in ring shape. Give me a fucking break with these rumors, man. I don't believe it. So that's what Meltzer said. I I don't believe a fucking word out of any of these things. I do believe The Rock will be at WrestleMania in some way, shape, or form. How we get a Rock vs. Roman match, I don't fucking know. I don't really give a shit if it happens or not. I'm in the camp of Cody and Roman. And Cody winning the Royal Rumble. That's what I want to see next Saturday. I don't give a fuck about anything else. If I don't get Rock and Roman, I don't give a shit. And if we don't get Rock and Roman this year, I don't give a shit about it ever happening. But The Rock needs to know, and I'm sure The Rock does know, that the beginning of this storyline ends with him. He's known for the last 24 months. How long does Roman have that title? 800, 900 days now? He's known for 900 days that the the match ends with him. The feud, the the storyline of the tribal chief, the head of the table, ends with him. They've teased it on interviews. They've teased it in fucking dirt sheets. They've teased it on his own fucking show, Young Rock, with little Easter eggs thrown about. Oh, match this magnitude can only take place at WrestleMania. I mean, I, 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 I don't get it. If The Rock is not prepared, that's his fucking fault. He's known for the last 900 fucking days that he needed to get in ring shape. Meltzer also talked about the change to Monday's Raw, where it was supposed to be a bloodline acknowledgement ceremony, but it's now switched and canceled. Now the segment looks like it's going to be a trial 
of Sami Zayn, which doesn't make any sense. Because Roman, the last time we left off with Roman and Sami, they were on good pages as they fist-bumped each other. Sami and Roman had made up because Roman has an attitude problem and he let his anger get the best of him in regards to Sami Zayn. So why are we getting a trial of... What the fuck did Sami Zayn... What, what, what did Sami Zayn do wrong on Friday that we need a trial of Sami Zayn on Monday? I don't get it. It doesn't really make sense. We're getting a trial for something on Sami Zayn that didn't happen on Friday. What, what is there going to be a trial of? Roman forgave him. So this entire plan of the bloodline ceremony was changed. WWE canceled this from the Raw 30 show. Now those plans have changed, says PW Insider. And they report that the plans for the segment have been dropped and in its place will be a tribal court segment that will revolve around the issues going on with Sami Zayn. PW Insider noted that the plan is to do something called the trial of Sami Zayn. Now, one of two things here. One of two things. Number one, we could still get this trial of Sami Zayn and the acknowledgement ceremony kind of mixed together, fused together. This could be a trial of Sami Zayn, including members of the Anawai family. Afa, Sika, right? The head shrinkers. Uh, we'll get Fatu out there, right? Or Rikishi, rather. Um, Afa, Sika, Samu, Rikishi, uh, Fatu, all, all those guys. They, they could be there on Monday Night Raw, and it's the trial of Sami Zayn via the Anawahi family because I can't imagine that they're happy with Sami Zayn being included in the bloodline. They probably oppose Sami Zayn being in the bloodline. So we can kind of get the trial of Sami Zayn and the bloodline segment kind of merged together here, right? The other thing is, and we could still see The Rock. We could still get The Rock in that segment, but it'll be less obvious if it's a trial of Sami Zayn, right? The other thing is, maybe it just canceled altogether. You know the old Vince McMahon motto. Why are you promoting something happening when it's not really going to happen? That there's no chance of it happening. Maybe this is a suggestion from Vince McMahon. Maybe it's one of those Vince McMahon to Triple H suggestions. And Vince knew of the rumors going around about Dwayne potentially being at the Royal Rumble and included this WrestleMania season and a match with Roman happening at WrestleMania. Maybe Vince said, why are you promoting a segment that clearly gives the people the impression that The Rock is going to be on Monday Night Raw and we can't deliver The Rock on Monday Night Raw and when we get there and the people don't see The Rock, people are going to be disappointed. That is an old Vince McMahon model. Why are you getting ready or hyping up something that potentially could never be or will never happen? So Vince might have made a suggestion here for this to be changed and it for or it to be the trial of Sami Zayn instead of the acknowledgement ceremony of, of Roman Reigns with the potential of The Rock showing up on Monday night. We could still get The Rock on Monday night. This is the less obvious way to go about that. But obviously, after all the rumors and all the bullshit, I do believe The Rock, if not at Monday Night Raw tomorrow, will be happening or will be somehow included in the Royal Rumble or on the road to WrestleMania. So it could be one of the one of the two things. I, I, I was shocked that this happened, but WWE, you know, might have The Rock and they had to change it because it was a little too obvious. Or maybe they just changed it altogether and they don't have The Rock. I don't know. But I do think that The Rock kind of, you know, if, if The Rock wanted to go out there and say nothing at all, I would have appreciated that more. You know, wrestlers kind of put themselves 
in a situation where they get caught with their fucking foot up their ass in situations like this? You're better off not saying anything. Don't even don't even entertain the fucking question. Just move on to the next question. You know, I'm not ring ready. Uh, you know, blah blah blah. I, I don't want to talk about it. Nick Khan saying I can't really answer that. I'm not going to confirm or deny the rumor. Whatever. You know, if someone says I'm not going to confirm or deny the rumors, then more than likely there's an inkling of it happening. And it got a little too. You know, the the, the journalists and the dirt sheets got a little too close to the fire here, and I honestly think WWE panicked because something like this they want to be a mega surprise, right? They want this to be something that is very secretive, and they want everybody to be like, oh, my God, The Rock is back. But if everybody under the fucking sun is reporting about it, and, and the people get excited about it, and, and it don't happen, you know, it, it's going to be it's gonna be one of those things where WWE's got egg on their face, and the fans get hyped up for no reason and then are disappointed because they hyped something up so badly. So WWE's trying to now backtrack and change shit that's happening on Monday Night Raw to kind of dumb down the rumors so that you don't anticipate The Rock coming out. I don't know. They got uh, they got a little uh, a little ahead of themselves with the uh, Anawaii family and the bloodline showing up on Monday Night Raw, so they had to change it. And according to the sources, the trial of Sami Zayn. I don't know if I don't know if Sami Zayn is going to be ousted from the bloodline on Monday. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. But again, you know, it's going to be must see TV because anything that Sami Zayn is involved in with the bloodline is a thumbs up for me, honestly. WWE is more than pleased with the surprises for the Royal Rumble. There's been a lot of chatter on social media this week about Cody Rhodes being announced for the Royal Rumble instead of being a surprise on Saturday night. I don't mind Cody Rhodes announcing his inclusion in the Royal Rumble because we all expected it anyway. So why why waste the surprise? You know, we all expected it to happen. Who gives a fuck? He announced his Royal Rumble inclusion and he's back. Fine. And WWE said, and they used the, uh, the the notion as well. Well, everybody kind of knows he's back, so why, why are we going to fucking waste a surprise on him? They got other surprises. We don't know what number he's coming out. It's going to be a surprise anyway when he comes out. It's going to be great to see him. That's all we care about. Many expect a Rumble return, so it made sense to announce him before the show anyway because it's another selling point, uh, but there are other surprises planned, and apparently WWE management is very happy with the names that they have planned to be there. Russell votes who has broken many WWE a scoop in the past, reports that the company is more than pleased with the surprises they have lined up. They say on social media, and I quote, asked a source the reasoning behind Cody's Rumble return being announced as opposed to a surprise. Source says it's twofold. One being that nearly everyone expected it to happen already. And two, source states that they're more than pleased with the other surprises they have lined up. That leaves the question of who? Who's going to be in the Royal Rumble? Obviously, big names like Logan Paul, John Cena, Stone Cold Steve Austin have all made lists of people that could be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. Pat McAfee's another name. Goldberg, God forbid, could be in the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar's name has been advertised for the Royal Rumble. Who knows what role he's going to play in that? We may we may see a Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar showdown in the Royal Rumble. I don't know, you know. Other options, Matt Cardona is a big name being thrown around. Uh, I heard rumor that Kyrie Sane is being courted for a Royal Rumble appearance. I don't know how likely that is. WWE, they have the potential. I know he's retiring this month, I believe, right? WWE could end the great Moody's career with a Royal Rumble inclusion. You know Triple H would love to have that happen, right? 
WWE sent Shinsuke Nakamura over to Noah, Pro Wrestling Noah, to wrestle uh, the Great Muda at the turn of the new year. We could see, in turn, Noah having Great Muda wrestle for the WWE in the Royal Rumble and have him have one last hurrah in the Royal Rumble. We could legitimately see that, and Triple H is the type of guy that will facilitate something like that happening. So the names that they have, you know, I'm sure that they're very happy with the names because this is an open field. WWE doesn't announce all the names in the Royal Rumble uh, at uh, this current time. During the present day, they don't announce all the Royal Rumble participants. So we could have three, four, five different surprises here for the Royal Rumble, which is great. And the ladies as well. Chelsea Green is another name. Deanna Perrazzo is another name. We could see different people. Mickey James was in the Royal Rumble last year. We could see, you know, people come over from Impact as well uh, in this thing. Triple H obviously wants more of an inclusion with other promotions. This is something that uh, he's always talked about and something that he's always desired for WWE to work with other promotions. So we may see other promotions be featured in the men's and women's Royal Rumble. Chelsea Green is the biggest name because, you know, according to reports, she's already signed with the company and they're just waiting to debut her. And there's no better way to debut somebody than in the Royal Rumble. So we could see a lot of different names. I hope there are some NXT names in the Royal Rumble, a Carmelo Hayes would go a long way in the Royal Rumble. A Braun Breaker would go a long way in the Royal Rumble. We could see a Nikita Lyons for the ladies, maybe a Roxanne Perez, a Cora Jade. Some of the ladies that have been a staple on TV, Tiffany Stratton and some others there, uh, Wendy Chu, they could be in the Royal Rumble. WWE is more than enough women on, on that roster to fill 30 women in the Royal Rumble without having to go get an Alicia Fox or a Candice Michelle or... Fucking Cameron. We don't we don't need shit like that in the Royal Rumble. So I think WWE is gonna surprise us on Saturday. And I'm very excited to see what they got planned for the Royal Rumble. Does that include The Rock? I don't know. I don't know. I hope The Rock is not in the Royal Rumble. I hope he does not win the Royal Rumble. I hope it's not even insinuated. Cody Rhodes should win the Royal Rumble. And I'm gonna say it again. Cody Rhodes number one, Seth Rollins number two, and they are the first two and the last two in the Royal Rumble. And instead of having another feud between the two, because Cody was the person that was beat up by Seth Rollins before he went to go get surgery, the last thing that Seth Rollins saw was Cody Rhodes and vice versa. You end that little riffraff in the Royal Rumble in the final two with Cody eliminating Seth Rollins, and he goes on to WrestleMania. Who I think will be in the final four? I could see Austin Theory in the final four for sure. Other than that, Cody, Seth, and Austin Theory are my three. Uh, Having a fourth is going to be a difficult task. It could be anybody. Maybe an NXT talent. We don't know. Could be a Carmelo Hayes. Could be a Braun Breaker. I don't know. Could be The Rock, for all we know. I hope to God not. He does not need to win the Royal Rumble if they want to include him in a match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Royal Rumble meetings. Triple H has had meetings about the Royal Rumble, how the Royal Rumble matches are being planned. Fightful Select has learned that while several veterans have contacted WWE about making Royal Rumble appearances, WWE was said to have been leaning out of that in some cases in favor of what they call non-traditional surprises. Unsure of what that meant, creative and producers were soliciting pitches for such a thing. Last year, WWE were adamant in leaning out of NXT names appearing in the Royal Rumble match. Well, that's because Vince McMahon booked the fucking thing with Shane McMahon, and it got blown to shit. In addition, Fightful was told that as of last week, Ronda Rousey actually wasn't planned for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, At the time, she lost the title, which can clearly change. Until December, Rousey was scheduled for the show in a singles match. In addition, Fightful was told that WWE was very confident in their women's roster. 
as is with the hires and call-ups over the last year, and how it would play into the Royal Rumble match. Last year, WWE had to call numerous veterans because mass releases led them to a depleted roster. Jason Cade has also been brought in to help with the Royal Rumble, and TJ Wilson will be on hand. Last year, Wilson, Tyson Kidd, wasn't around, and WWE had to fly Fit Finley in to help. Uh, the Royal Rumble matches this year are going to be vastly different, especially for the ladies. Triple H, the reason why he brought back so many women to the WWE was to load up the Royal Rumble because he saw, watching from home, what the Royal Rumble looked like from his vantage point, and it was terrible. WWE did not give a single shit about the Women's Royal Rumble last year, so much so that they booked it the same exact way that they did the year prior. Nothing was different, and it came off. Honestly, the Women's Royal Rumble last year was the worst Women's Royal Rumble match that they've ever done. And Triple H is going to change that this year, and with Tyson Kidd being back and you know his presence there, it's going to be a much better Royal Rumble. With Triple H in charge, it's going to be a much better Royal Rumble. They got more than enough women on the main roster and with who Triple H and Shawn Michaels want to get together and correlate with because you know they're going to butt heads and they're going to get who they need to from NXT in the Royal Rumble. Triple H is absolutely going to include NXT in the Royal Rumble. Triple H is not going to leave NXT out. Vince McMahon would leave NXT out because he didn't give a fuck about the brand. It didn't exist to Vince McMahon. And he didn't want that. Like, who the fuck are they? Why am I going to put them in my Royal Rumble match? I'm going to go and get a fucking Maurice in the Royal Rumble. That's exactly what Triple H is going to do. He's going to include NXT. There's no need for traditional surprises here. Give me who you have and get people over on NXT to get over in the Royal Rumble. Build some confidence and build some star power with what you got and put it in the Rumble match. The Rumble match is a star-making match. It's not difficult to book a Cora J to last 20, 25 minutes in her first Royal Rumble or Nikita Lyons to have four or five eliminations in the Royal Rumble. I think that would be a better way to go instead of bringing back fucking, you know, Candice Michelle who's going to last 60 seconds and then get eliminated by somebody who's on the roster full-time. It sucks. It's not what I want out of a Royal Rumble. Same thing for the men. They got more than enough men in the Royal Rumble to fill that Rumble match for 30 instead of bringing in fucking 10 to 12 surprises. So I'm liking the idea of the creative moving forward for the Royal Rumble. Naomi. I've talked about Naomi possibly winning the Royal Rumble. That's my choice. I think Naomi is the clear-cut winner for the Royal Rumble if she is back as a surprise for Saturday night. Trinity Fatu hasn't wrestled since May when she walked out of WWE and was suspended. Fightful sources have long claimed that not only was Naomi's contract close to expiring at the time of the walkout, but that both sides seemed excited to extend the deal. Specifically, Fightful was told that Naomi was likely headed for the biggest money contract of her career before things got derailed by the situation back in May. That led to she and Sasha Banks walking out of the company. There were sources in the fall who claimed that Trinity maintained positive contact with WWE, though we haven't been able to verify that as it was kept close to the vest, if so. In light of the bloodline acknowledgement ceremony, which is now canceled, many thought that Naomi would possibly show up on Monday Night Raw. One WWE higher up thought uh, said that they claimed uh, there had been contact between two sides and that they are confident Naomi will be in WWE again. That higher up did not provide a timetable on Naomi's possible return. You know, I talked about this on Friday. Naomi was likely headed for the biggest money contract of her career. 
So Naomi was headed towards the biggest money contract of her career after Sasha Banks had clearly facilitated a release out of her WWE contract. Sasha Banks, it was reported by Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. that she was released from the company and that she had hired lawyers to get her out of her WWE contract. That happened uh, literally as soon as she walked out. So that happened in May. By June, Sasha Banks was on her way out of the WWE and she was given six months to do nothing in the pro wrestling realm. She could not do anything for the rest of the year as they released her and cut her ties with WWE. She had to wait till January 2023 to go and do anything as she signed up for new IPs, a new name, a new alias, new moves, new new persona, new everything, which we now know is Mercedes, Mercedes money. So that's that. She showed up at Wrestle Kingdom. She challenged Kyrie Sade for the IWGP Women's Championship, and she was out of her WWE deal. Now, Naomi, Naomi was likely headed for the biggest money contract of her career. Now, Fightful sources said that Naomi's contract was close to expiring at the time of her walkout, which happened in May. That would lead to whatever the May pay-per-view was, right? What, Backlash? WrestleMania Backlash, I believe, or some, well, I don't know what the fuck May was. Then we go into Hell in a Cell in June, which I'm assuming is the pay-per-view where they wanted, as you guys recall... The reports where Naomi was scheduled to wrestle Bianca Belair for the Royal Women's Championship and Sasha Banks was scheduled to wrestle Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Vince and Bruce wanted Sasha and Naomi to stop having a tag team run to go put over Bianca and Ronda Rousey individually, okay? Clearly, they walked out because they didn't believe that was the best course of action for the tag team division. They didn't want their tag team run to be split up into doing singles matches and then losing as tag team champions only to come back as a tag team and then have no plans following those losses. Do you blame them for walking out? No. Do you honestly believe that WWE had plans for Sasha and Naomi following those two reported matches happening at Hell in a Cell? The answer is no. I don't blame Sasha and Naomi walking out at all. Sasha was the one who was reported to walk out, and Naomi followed. Nobody reported that Naomi walked out and Sasha followed, which is something that I still wonder about and could be a possible reason for both of them walking out. Naomi was pissed at everything, and she walked, and Sasha was the friend who walked and followed in support of Naomi. You didn't hear that, though. You didn't hear it from me, right? I wish I could report something like that. I am the only one who brought that to the table. The only one. Everybody blames Sasha because she's the biggest name. She's going to get the most clicks. She's going to get the most views. And that's the reason why everybody ran with Sasha. It was a fucking hit piece on Sasha Banks. Oh, she's a crybaby. Oh, she walked out. Oh, she's a diva. Oh, she's entitled. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So her contract was up around Hell in a Cell. Let's say around Hell in a Cell, right? Her contract was up. WWE now is looking at a WWE women's division without Sasha Banks and without Naomi. Sasha Banks already gave them the uh, peace out, goodbye, fuck off, I'm doing my own thing. Slowly you see Sasha Banks trademarking names and getting a new alias together and doing her own thing and living life and getting her business aspects lined up. She's finished with WWE. She was finished by WWE or finished with WWE by the summer. She was done. She was done. Everybody's wondering, is she going to come back? Is she going to do this? Is she going to do that? No. Naomi at that time was gone as well. Her contract had expired. So WWE 
as Fightful reports, was likely to give Naomi the biggest money contract of her career, which I do believe is the case. But I also find funny because they didn't want to pay Sasha Banks the money that she wanted, but they want to pay Naomi. They thought Sasha Banks had peaked in WWE, but they're willing to give Naomi a big, big, big money contract, more money than she's ever seen in her entire professional wrestling career. But they thought Sasha Banks peaked, and they didn't want to pay Sasha Banks the money that she clearly earned and deserved. But they want to pay Naomi. What this means to me is they knew Sasha was gone. They weren't going to get Sasha Banks back. There was a failure of communication there. One side broke down because she felt slighted. Meanwhile, one side wanted Sasha to stay. Sasha said, fuck off. They didn't want to lose Sasha, and they didn't want to lose Naomi to AEW or any other wrestling promotion together. So WWE talked it out with Naomi. They reached out to Naomi. They offered her big money to stay. And WWE got desperate to keep Naomi in the WWE family. They didn't want both of these women, as big as they are, with the fan bases that they have, to go anywhere else and find success outside of WWE. And Naomi's going to get paid, and Naomi's going to make big money. And it's out of, not because WWE wants Naomi, WWE doesn't want Naomi to walk. Why don't they want Naomi to walk? Because Naomi is a powerful woman. Naomi brings with her a huge fan base. Naomi has that motivation to make WWE eat every fucking last word that they said to Naomi and do bigger and better things away from WWE than she did with the WWE. And they also know that Naomi has the one thing that nobody else has but WWE, and that is inside ties to the Anawaii family. Whoever gets Naomi gets the inside ties to the family. And WWE will not allow that to happen. So yes, WWE is going to do whatever they can to keep Naomi in the WWE. And if it means paying her what she wants for the simple fact of keeping her there, they will do it because they don't want that woman to walk. Now they're confident Naomi will be in the WWE, as am I. If WWE is smart, you look at SmackDown and see how dismal That division is. It is fucking awful. Charlotte Flair as champion has provided no value as SmackDown Women's Champion for that brand. There's nobody on that brand right now that I would love to see challenge Charlotte Flair via the Royal Rumble or in the Elimination Chamber at WrestleMania for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You know the one woman that would really make a difference in that division for WrestleMania season? You're looking at her. Naomi. Not Shotzi. Not... Lacey Evans, not Raquel Rodriguez, none of them. Naomi is going gonna, is gonna to be a surprise in the Royal Rumble, and Naomi, in my honest opinion, is the right winner for the Royal Rumble. And I say this because after weeks of talking myself into Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble, which I do still think is a possibility, I think Naomi is the better choice because Charlotte needs an opponent for WrestleMania. And I think Naomi winning the Royal Rumble would have a bigger impact on not only the Royal Rumble, but SmackDown and Charlotte's reign going into WrestleMania than Rhea Ripley would for Monday Night Raw. Rhea Ripley, she could go into the Elimination Chamber and destroy every single woman in that chamber and be a beast while winning the chamber and winning the spot to wrestle Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania via the Elimination Chamber. We get the best of both worlds. Naomi and Charlotte have put on bangers before. Why wouldn't it be a banger at WrestleMania? Charlotte winning the SmackDown Women's Championship, Naomi taking it from Charlotte. I think that's a great story to tell. Meanwhile, you get both women in the main event matches at WrestleMania. 
would be great women's matches at WrestleMania instead of Charlotte getting Lacey Evans. And then we get Mercedes beating Kyrie. Imagine Mercedes beating Kyrie for the IWGP Women's Championship and Naomi winning the Royal Rumble and beating Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania and both women, both wrestling for different companies, both holding championships in major promotions. I think that's a beautiful story to tell if they want to go that route. Now, should they be rewarded? You know, some people might think they don't deserve to be rewarded, but they walked out for all the right reasons. They walked out because they felt what they felt was right. Vince was wrong. Bruce was wrong. They did wrong. They walked out and did something that I wish a lot of people in this company would have done before them, and that's walk out and believe in themselves. If you don't respect that, I mean, I don't know what to fucking tell you, man. I respect that more so than anything. That's why I'm talking about Naomi winning the Royal Rumble. Monday Night Raw. There's a reason why WWE is making a change to the tag team championship situation. This coming Monday on Raw 30, the Usos will be defending the tag team championships against Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day. This caught fans off guard as the Usos usually defend the undisputed Tag Team Championships. Triple H has also set up a tournament on Friday Night SmackDown, and the winner of that tournament will more than likely have a tag team title match at the Usos at some point after the Royal Rumble. This apparently is an idea of Triple H to have the titles defended separately. The idea right now on the tag team front is that there are two sets of belts. The Usos are champions, but the Raw and SmackDown belts are different. This is a new Paul Levesque move, and it does allow the Usos to lose one set of belts and keep the other. It was explained to me that the hope makes this, or the hope is, it makes fans think it's more likely that somebody beats them for one set of the belts. This is a terrible move. And, and I and listen, I'm a, I'm a big Triple H guy. I'm a big Triple H advocate for him running creative. This may be one of the dumbest moves creatively that he's come up with. I get, and I appreciate the fact that they want to make things a little bit more unpredictable, but the creative decision, the right creative decision here going into WrestleMania is that the Usos should not be losing at all going into WrestleMania. Now, unless Sami Zayn is going to be the one to challenge Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which I find to be highly unlikely, you know, maybe all this is just a fucking irrelevant point. I don't see that happening, though I would not complain about it. I, I think that would be fucking phenomenal if Sami Zayn is the one to take down Roman Reigns. I mean, we could live in a fucking dream world, but I just don't see that happening. I think Cody Rhodes is the guy that's going to beat Roman Reigns. But if the idea that we've all run with for months is Sami Zayn being kicked out of the bloodline, aligning with Kevin Owens, they join forces to take down the Usos for the tag team championships, why on earth would you have the Usos lose before WrestleMania and that match between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I don't understand that. Like, nobody expects Dominic Mysterio to beat the Usos. Now, Judgment Day is great, but I don't want to see them beat the Usos. The Banger Bros on SmackDown, you see this tournament is clearly set up for the Banger Bros to win the tournament. It's going to be Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. I don't even want Sheamus... No matter how much I adore and love Sheamus, I don't want to see him win the tag team championships with Drew McIntyre either. Though there's a feud there with the bloodline. Sheamus, to me, the WrestleMania match is with Gunther for the IC title and him winning the IC title. 
Now, I don't know what happens here. I appreciate the unpredictability. I appreciate Adam Pearce per storyline wanting to really punish the Usos for their involvement in taking the shows hostage and doing what they do on Monday and Friday night and causing chaos and all this other shit, defying the law. But that doesn't mean recklessly making a, a shit creative decision. The Usos should not lose anything before WrestleMania. And if there's one thing, I said this on Friday, if there's one thing that this tournament on SmackDown has proved is that WWE cannot handle two shows and two separate titles. You waited all this time. You waited all this time to give me two separate titles. Meanwhile, WWE should have been operating this entire division since Triple H took over as one division. The Monday Night Raw division should have been merged with the SmackDown division, and the men's title should have been afloat from Raw to SmackDown to SmackDown to Raw. They should have been floating championships. The WWE does not have enough teams to call it a division for Raw and SmackDown. There's three teams on SmackDown that are worth anything, and I don't even know if there's four, four teams on, on Monday night, four or five teams on Monday night. Now, together, you have a division. Separately, you do not have enough manpower and enough tag teams to call it a tag team division. They do not have enough teams to uphold two sets of titles. So why are we bothering with this old mentality, this, this creative mentality, when it just doesn't work? I've stated this since 2016, and that's the hill I'm going to die on. WWE should have already merged these divisions. Why do the women's tag team titles have a different set of rules than the men's tag team titles? I don't get it. The Usos should not lose anything before WrestleMania. Why would you take that opportunity away from Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to stick it to the bloodline and end the Usos' record-setting title reign? I don't for, for Dominic Mysterio. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I don't expect the Usos to lose tomorrow, but stranger things have happened here. Unpredictable is great. Sometimes predictable is great. This is one of those moments where predictable is good. I think we stay on the predictable road and we get the match that we all want to see happen at WrestleMania to benefit Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to end the bloodline once and for all. We're not going to give the titles to the Judgment Day because the Usos have one set of titles remaining. No. We operated with undisputed titles this entire time and it should end with the undisputed titles. And the way we get the titles back to Monday Night Raw, if you still want to maintain a separate division, is via the draft the very next night on Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. Same thing when Cody beats Roman for the world championship. Moving on. AEW Dynamite. Got some news on CM Punk. CM Punk apparently has been put on ice by Tony Khan for now. CM Punk has been missing from AEW programming since All Out and the backstage brawl with the Elite during the post-show scrum he ripped the elite, had him, Adam Hangman Page, and called Cabana at the press conference before the brawl happened, as you guys know. AEW suspended everyone involved in the fight following an investigation, and they fired Ace Steel. The elite returned in November. Punk is also out of action with an injury that required surgery as he suffered a torn triceps during the main event against John Moxley at All Out. As previously reported, CM Punk and AEW had been in talks about a potential contract buyout with Punk being the one to push for it. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that CM Punk and the side of CM Punk believes that AEW President Tony Khan has put Punk on ice for the time being. No shit. Meltzer wrote, right now, 
from the Punk side, the belief is that Tony Khan has put Punk on ice for now, as there are no ideas to use him that have been presented, but no talk at all of late to release him either. Of course Punk is on ice. I, I don't know why. You know, people run with these stories as like groundbreaking fucking, oh my God, breaking news. Punk legitimately has been out since September, okay? A torn tricep, how long does it take from a torn tricep to heal? About six, seven, eight months, right? Sam Punk is not going to be back on television no matter what at this current time. He's been out since September. That's October, November, December, January. He is now rehabilitating his torn tricep. He's back in the gym. You follow him on Instagram. He's working out. He's doing what he's got to do to get back. Of course he's on ice. Why would he be off ice? Why would he be on the fucking back burner on low? I I don't understand this. Or in the oven at 225. Why? Stories like this don't fucking... This is why I don't report on shit like this. This is fucking ridiculous. Of course he's going to be on ice because he's hurt. The idea of Punk being back on television right now is ludicrous. He needs to get back into ring shape and then get cleared by AEW doctors. And then he will be taken off ice. Right now he needs to rehabilitate. Then he needs to get cleared. Then he needs to have scrimmages and get back in ring shape and wipe off the ring rust and then come back to television when there's a plan. Honestly, the whole talk about CM Punk's contract being bought out has died down. Honestly, CM Punk, to me, will be back in AEW this year. Business will be done. Business will be done. CM Punk... And the elite will be going at it. And I do I do think, honestly, at the end of the day, that everybody's going to sit down and do business. I really do. It would be foolish for them not to. I think cooler heads prevailed in this case. And I do think that with AEW right now, you know, having great television and WWE going through a very tumultuous time with Vince McMahon being back, now AEW sees the time to strike while the iron is hot. And there's no better way to answer all of WWE's bullshit then with Punk coming back and them doing business and making money and creating memorable television. I do think that Punk will be back. And that is all I got, guys. That's all I got for you as far as the news is concerned right here on OTS. We had a lot to cover, and I am glad you guys hung with me tonight to go over all the news this week. We had a lot to cover. Got 2,400 in the venue tonight on a very busy Sunday night. We had some football tonight for The Last of Us, Episode 2. Lots going on on Sunday night, man. Make sure you guys follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell. For all notifications, make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. Anything you missed is on the homepage, so go check that stuff out. Hit that thumbs up as well. That thumbs up is very important, man. We hit over a thousand likes, and I appreciate you very much. A thousand likes is the minimum here in the OTS venue. And memberships are open. Get them on in. Super Chats are also open. It's last call right here on OTS. Sponsored by Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout. Guys, confidence is a great thing, man. Confidence is a great thing. My guy, Dr. Evil Genius, and I on Friday, man, we uh, we did some good shit in the gym, man. 
I've been hitting the gym three days a week with my guy who's a personal trainer. My confidence was at an all-time high leaving the gym on Friday because of what we accomplished. And it's going to take me into tomorrow's session. The rain is probably going to put a hamper on me, but uh, the gym tomorrow should be interesting. And confidence can take you far, man. It can take you far in all aspects of life, even in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that provides the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. And at a fraction of the cost, you can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead and be ready when the opportunity does arise. It's not the only thing that's going to be arising. The process is very simple, man. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office. No awkward conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Shoes tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. They always say first impressions are key, guys. What about lasting impressions? Well, Blue Shoe, that first impression is going to be a lasting impression. No doubt about it. So if you guys want to benefit from that extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Shoe is where it's at. $5 shipping and handling is all you guys got to cover. You're going to get your subscription for free when you use promo code JD at checkout. Your first month is going to be free on me using promo code JD. BlueChew.com, and I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast right here on OTS. Super Chats. Let's see what we got, man. I want to start off at the top. J. William Reed. $2 Super Chat. Today's my wife's birthday. My wife Valerie's birthday. I love her. Happy birthday to J. William Reed's wife, Valerie. Let me see some birthday cake emojis in the chat. Noah Tacone with a six-month membership. Don't usually get to watch live that much, but always watch the next morning. Hashtag OTS for life with a six-month membership. Appreciate you, brother. I know a lot of people were doing uh, a lot of different things tonight. The podcast will be in your sub boxes. No doubt about it. John in West Texas with a new membership. John, what the fuck are you drinking, brother? M. Sund. With a Canadian $10 super chat. Imagine a universe in which he was known as Dwayne the Rain Johnson. What would they have called Roman then? It's a good question. I think Roman Reigns is a great fucking name. Dwayne the Rain Johnson? Doesn't have the ring to it that The Rock does. Paul David with a 13 months. Cowboys and 49ers are tied at nine midway through the third quarter. Who won the game? Did the Niners beat the Cowboys? Are there any Cowboy fans crying tonight? Thank you for 13 months, brother. What are you drinking tonight in the OTS venue? Danny in Oak Park with one month. 
He says, let's do this. And then a $2 super chat. Let's do this. Says Danny in Oak Park. Thank you, bro. Jeremy, 2006. And Craig Reeves become members tonight on the OTS VIP club. What are you gentlemen drinking tonight, man, to celebrate your one month new membership? Tenario, 128 with a $5 super chat. JD, what is your favorite Royal Rumble match and moment? My favorite Royal Rumble match is 1992. My favorite Royal Rumble moment? Probably when Stone Cold Steve Austin eliminated Brett the Hitman Hart by crawling back into the ring and Brett having a fucking absolute meltdown in front of Vince McMahon during the 1997 Royal Rumble. Brian the Dean with nine months. JD, while I enjoy the road to WrestleMania year over year, I can't help but think that the showcase of the Immortals is the show WWE only cares about. Well, hopefully that changes with Triple H in charge, Brian. That's why I'm very excited to see what Triple H, if he does have complete say, what Triple H does this WrestleMania season. JDC Biggins with a five months. Thank you, bro. Happy to be getting a new mic soon. God bless everyone. Well, you enjoy that, bro. I'm always looking for new equipment to make the show look and sound better. Theme parks and things with Johnny. Three months. No message. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight? King Mo Jackson, 199. Stopped in to show support. Wish you well. OTS for life. Thank you, King Mo. Gavin Deeth. Vince wins the Rumble. Beats Roman at Mania. I'm the Tribal Chief. God damn it. Acknowledge me. Such a good egg. Vince, probably. Yeah, Gavin, don't don't ever put that in the universe, bro. Mark Alain Lazaro with a 50 in his currency. I wish YouTube would tell me which currency that is. Free Top G Logan is an agent of the Matrix. JD rules. Cody Snyder with nine months. Stoked for the Royal Rumble post-show. Probably more than I am for the pay-per-view. Thanks, Vinny Mac. Hope we're all in a positive mood Saturday night. Uh, bro, I'm looking for 5,000 deep in the OTS Vinny on Saturday night. Thank you, Cody. Nine months. What the fuck are you drinking, Cody? Anthony Olivares with a $2 super chat with his Razor Ramon profile picture. He says, hey, yo. Thank you, Anthony. Dan M. with a $5 super chat. Vince is cold and heartless. He's proven he cares about no one but himself. Absolute power corrupts. Power corrupts absolutely. Yes. Isaac Smith with a $10 super chat. I've been in school and work, so I've missed a few streams. The Charlotte Flair Android stuff cracks me up. I hope Sammy wins the Rumble. OTS for life. Bro, if Sammy wins the Rumble, I'll take it. But I'm going for Cody. Anthony Olivares with another $2 super chat. He says, hey, yo. Hit that thumbs up, OTS family. Yes. 
New Bendy comic dubs with a five months. I was booing Cody out of the building at Grand Slam, but this is it. Cody needs to win that Rumble and beat Roman. What's your favorite Cody Rhodes match? JD. Probably the one with his brother, bro. Probably the one with Dustin. And then probably seconds, uh, Sammy Guevara in that ladder match. Tenario. I can't forget the Shield match either with uh, with Goldust. I thought that was great. Uh, Tenario, one, two, eight, five dollars Super Jet. Do you see Solo Sokoa being, being in the final four? Uh, yeah, I could see Solo being there. I mean, Triple H has booked Solo pretty uh, pretty brilliantly, so I would not uh, I would not doubt Solo Sokoa being in the final four. Justin with a 199 Super Chat. 49ers beat the Cowboys. They face the Eagles next. Should be a good game. Russell Wagner with 15 months. JD, thank you for doing the small things for the VIP club. It makes us feel a little part of your show. Sundays, the voting, keeping up the great work. Thank you, Russell. I appreciate you, brother. Really appreciate my VIPs, man. Six new members tonight. It's awesome. I'm hoping to get some uh, gifted membership soon. I sh- I, I want to get try and get this uh, squared away this week. I know the reason why I can't do gifted memberships on this channel. Uh, Mike New York with the $2 Superjack. KO going to say he signed Sammy's name, some say. I, I don't think so, bro. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Why would he do that? Why would he give up a title shot against Roman Reigns for Sami Zayn? I, I don't understand that. We'll see what happens. Jeremy, 2006, with a 16-month membership. Dem boys for life. Love being a part of the family. OTS for life. Jack and Coke, please. Make it a double for Jeremy. M. James 2000 with a Canadian $5 Super Jack. Do you think Gargano will be in the Rumble with his current injury? I'd like to see him. I feel like he would be a great Iron Man if it is in theory. I'd like to see that too. I think Johnny Gargano would fare well in the Royal Rumble, especially booked by Triple H. And Joseph Taylor, $2 Super Chat. My favorite Cody match is the dog collar match with Brody. Also a good one, but I enjoyed the match with Dustin. Had double or nothing. And the match with Sammy on Dynamite in that great ladder match. A little bit better. Guys, thank you for a great stream. Thank you for a great stream on Sunday night. I know there are a lot of things going on, especially with, college, with uh, NFL football, Last of Us, and other shows that you guys may watch on Sunday night. But you came out strong tonight, 2400 in the venue. Thank you guys for showing up tonight. Thank you for the thumbs up. Thank you for the new memberships. We will be back tomorrow for Raw 30, man. Should be a big, big show. Raw 30 live with the post show on OTS. It's going to be a great show. Guys, please hit that thumbs up. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Please hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And I'm going to need that music turned up to max. Guys, I will see you tomorrow night live in the venue for Monday Night Raw, 30th anniversary, right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.